0: Hey, welcome to the 243rd episode of The Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. And no, that is not my regular voice. A big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash from Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the Secret Podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently talking about Moon Knight from 1980. So you can hear like where, not really where it all began, but pretty close to where it all began. There is there's like a handful of issues that came up before the um the, the series started um which i may have to go back and address some of those and just look back at those but uh if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or eight <laughs> if you're really generous that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck all right what is happening this week the, uh, it feels like a I'm predicting it might be a little bit of a lighter episode. I could be completely wrong. Movie features the unbearable weight of massive talent. I love that title, even though it's a really bad title. Because, like, what the heck that is. I I love telling people, like, I saw this great movie, unbearable, and they're just looking at me like, I was like, the Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, yeah. So I love that title. Nicolas Cage, Pedro Pascal. it, it It was hilarious. Um Russian Doll season 2. I keep forgetting. I meant to check. I can't remember if I talked about Russian Doll on the podcast or not. I feel like I w- might have talked about season 2 kind of briefly. Uh I managed to watch the whole season. I think it was because of a I think it was um it was 7 episodes I think, 6 or 7. It was it was like Maybe it was only six episodes, five episodes. Anyways, it was a certain number of episodes, but the the thirty minute format just makes it go a lot faster. So that that, that was I, I was surprised, and I just like had it on when I was like just doing some other things. So I won't go like full in depth. Yeah, I definitely have some things uh, to say, and I'm not sure like if you've even watched the first season because I uh, yeah. So we'll talk about that. Then there is Moon Knight, there is Star Trek. Those were the only other like regular like shows that were on because like the Flash wasn't on this week. I was like what. And Superman and Lois, I keep thinking like, when is that coming back? When's it coming back? It's on next week or this week, actually. Next episode will be on. And then the comics and the news. So this week, surprise, we finally got a trailer for Thor: Love and Thunder. And now that I think back, it's like, oh, maybe I should have watched it again to remember everything. Because it felt like it was so long. It feels like it was a while ago since I watched it. But we had to wait for so long. It was like crazy. It's like, what is going on? Why Why is this like not out yet? So it it looks great. I mean, Taika Waititi is, is brilliant. And, you know, we we see a sweet child of mine. And you know me as I mentioned before I'm a sucker for like music used in trailers. I feel like sometimes it's I feel like it's it's to get the suckers like me. It's like, "Oh, I love that song." And you just like get into it and so we we had some, you know, some music in there that doesn't quite fit the MCU, but whatever. And you know we we see Thor working out cuz he's still a little out of shape from what happened before, you know, when he took some time off and he was feeling down and everything. So, and then you got the Guardians of the Galaxy in there and, and just, uh, but I mean, it was just, I, I don't, I, I've seen, now I feel like I might be spoiling things and cause I know some people don't, don't watch trailers, but at the end you see a familiar looking, uh, device, a little cracked, like, uh, it was cobbled together and a certain person wielding it, which you gotta know that this person is in this. So I'm just, I'm really excited. I, I, I. Can't wait for this. But we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait a little bit, but it's 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 getting closer. But then some kinda bummer news, but that's I mean that's how it goes. Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse has been can't no, I'm just has been delayed. <laughs> I shouldn't even joke. I don't want to joke. It's uh it was supposed to come out on October seventh, twenty twenty two, this year. Now it's not coming out until June second, 2023. So more than half a year later ugh, I haven't heard why, but I'm sure it's just production whatever, you know, you just got to make sure the movie's done. You know, you can't rush these things and I say this all the time, whether it's a comic book, whether it's a movie, whether it's a video game, you know, you you got to you can't rush these things. Yes, it's important to have deadlines and to try to stick to them. But if, for whatever reason, things aren't quite ready, it makes no sense to try to rush it and then have it come out to be crap or partially crap or whatever. So we're going to have to wait. Part 2 is going to be coming out now on March 29th, 2024, which feels like that's so long from now, whatever. Uh, They also announced some other movies. So Madam Web is going to be coming out July 7th, 2023 and uh it looks like craven the hunter is still going to be january 13th 2023 so yeah that that's that's kind of a bummer but like i said that's that's the way it goes so oh well, we'll, we'll i mean we'll, we'll survive we'll, we'll get there um i guess i should talk a little bit about, i i hesitate about this i was thinking it's like more ezra miller news so i yeah i i don't really want to beat a dead horse and i don't really want to go on and on about this but he was he was arrested again, in in Hawaii. So it was March twenty eighth. So it was, it was less than a month ago, where he was at the karaoke bar and and you know he was cursing and grabbed the microphone you know, whatever stuff. But then he was at a, a residence home. He was asked to leave, and then he was then he got upset and he like, threw a chair. He hit a twenty six year old woman in the head, and she had a half inch cut. And then he fled the scene, and then he was picked up by police and. It's just like, man, I, I I just don't know what's going on. I, I mean, I worry. I want. I hope he he's all right and he figures out what what's going on. There was apparently a trailer for Buzz Lightyear, Lightyear, whatever you want to call it, whatever it's called. I didn't watch it because the first trailer was all I needed to see to to know. I mean, I I I know I should have watched it just to see, but. But yeah, I just I didn't want to. Yeah, I feel like I didn't feel like I I had to to see anything more. Echo, Marvel, Disney Plus. They they started filming the Disney Plus series, and Echo was was fine. You know, she she was good in in Hawkeye. I'm not super excited. I mean, I'm not like a big Echo fan of the, in the comics. Yeah, I, I can appreciate her and everything. I I don't know. Just just looking at this, it's like, what is what is this show going to be about? And and yeah, in case you haven't seen Hawkeye, I won't discuss it now. But we there, you know, there's still a bit to see. Like, okay, from the last time we saw her, the decisions that she made with what she did, you know, we we can get a little more clarification on that. What happened afterwards? And where is she going to go now? You know, what is she going to do? Like, is she going to change everything and? So yeah, there's a lot to explore, but I guess I'm just looking at it like of all the characters and everything like that. It's like it's not wouldn't be like my first choice to see, but th- that's that's cool. I mean, it is important, you know, for obvious reasons that we have the show and, and so forth. Just to, so that that's I mean, I'm I'm definitely going to watch it. You know, I'm going to watch it. But there you go. Netflix. So Netflix is apparently kind of struggling a little bit, you know, they they've lost a bunch of sur- subscribers. Not really clear why. I don't know if it's because prices have gone up recently or whatever, but unrelated to the Oscar moment incident, Netflix apparently is canceling Bright 2. I've never seen the first Bright with with Will Smith. Apparently, it like I said, it has nothing to do with this with the slap, but that's it's not going to happen. I was surprised when they they announced that it was making they were making a second one because I, I thought it didn't get great reviews. It, I think I think a lot of people watched it, maybe just because it was Will, Smith's, Will Smith. I can't even talk. But when I looked at it, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch that. Uh, but And I, I totally forgot, or never knew, I think I forgot, that Max Landis wrote the, the screenplay. He was a screenwriter for the first one. And uh, there's been some accusations against him you know, before everything. So, yeah, I guess that's not happening. In other bummer Netflix news is there was so Jeff Smith's bone has, has been, <laughs> has been in the talks to be made for, for, it feels like for, for a while it's apparently not happening. And, and this the, is more because of all the shakeups going on. So, you know, like a bunch of people were laid off or whatever, you know, closing divisions, restructuring, you know, all of this stuff like that. So that, that sucks because uh I mean, uh, if they could capture the essence of the comics and just that, animate that, that, uh, that would be such a good show and it's such a good story for kids to just uh, you know, we we need quality stuff like this I, I was so excited looking forward to this. So, you know just with the, with all the Netflix stuff and you know them possibly losing money and I'm sure some people are like, ha, you know, that's what they get but uh, that's not cool. I mean, Netflix maybe not everything they put out is great, but they, there's a lot of good stuff on there, and you know, there's a lot of stuff to watch. You know, Disenchantment for one. You know, I, I feel bad for not discussing it on the show, but you know, I just being busy and everything like that. But they put out good stuff, and, and you know, I, I, want them to do well. You know, I, I enjoyed the Resident Evil CG anime and Lock and Key, and you know, just, so I, I think part of the thing, you know, one something that's been coming up recently. Is all people sharing passwords, so that that could be a problem. And some people might be okay with that, you know, but it, it you know you're it's it's kind of hurting the, the the company. And some people may say, well, Netflix is making so much money, you know, that's okay, they can spend. But the thing is, they need to make money in order to spend money, and we want them to spend the money to make good sh- and cool shows, so we can keep. Getting our entertainment, so if something's not profitable, then they're they're not going to do it, and then we get nothing. So, you know, they, they always say it's not a victimless crime. So just just you know, just think about that. Jason Momoa is in talks to be in a live action Minecraft <laughs> movie. <laughs> no idea what that means. I, I I don't even know. I know very little about Minecraft. I know a little bit. I've never actually played it, but like my daughter and her her cousins. We're into it briefly, um, and apparently there was like a story mode that was put like put out at one point. But I'll, maybe they're going to do something like the Lego Movie and just have some sort of other narrative in there. So we'll see. That that could be interesting. Hayden Christensen is is getting ready for his his return to Darth Vader, or like not really his return, being Darth Vader spoiler in and, and Obi-Wan apparently he binged all the clone wars and star wars rebels episodes and and he was like well, they really like fleshed things out like the character and they did a lot so it's kind of cool to hear that and i know some people are like he never watched it how could he never cuz you're busy and sometimes it's hard to look at something when you're not directly associated with it you know i would feel a little weird not that he wasn't ass i mean I, but he's he didn't doesn't have the time you know the the voice acting was brilliantly done you know Anakin in, in this the series but he whether they didn't ask him or he just was too busy to commit you know so that's just how how it is and I'm, I'm sure he's he's fine with that but now it's but it's great that he's actually taken time to watch it all because he just really wants to know okay, I want to know everything that's happened and you know the in case he could use that in his performance. And I guess Ewan and McGregor has also been kind of preparing and and or stuff. Like he watched like all nine of the Star Wars episodes or or movies and everything. So that's always cool. Cool to, to hear that. Um, one thing. Oh, before so I don't forget, Made for Love is back. Is it this week? It's it's coming back, and I was just like, what. Yeah, so it's back on April or yeah, April twenty eighth, and I was just like holy, because I I really enjoyed the the first season. I listened to the audiobook, which there is like some one part that wasn't even in the first season, which I'm kind of okay with. And I, I think Kristen Miliati is 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 brilliant. She's amazing, and when they finally announced the second season, you know, it it kind of took a while, so I, I was a little worried because there was a bit of a cliffhanger at the first season, it would have been a fine to end it right there. If that's how it ended, it's like, okay, but I'm, I'm glad there's a second season. I'm really curious to see what, what will happen next, but it's just like out of nowhere. Cause you know, we didn't even get, or I told, unless I totally missed it. I never saw like a teaser trailer. I haven't even seen a regular. Tra- there's gotta be at least a trailer for it if it's coming out next week. So I'll probably me. I'll, I'll try to talk about that. Cause I think I was a little late to coming on, so I think I—I'm pretty sure I talked about that on on here. Man, I can't keep track of everything. You know, two hundred and forty-three episodes. Uh, I guess it's, it's starting to catch up with me. So that that's coming out. So so that that's exciting. Um, what is interesting? I don't have time to listen to a lot of podcasts because I tend to do audiobooks. Which I what I will mention, I guess it's it's kind of news. I just finished listening to Bullet Train, the the, the novel, because um, they're making a movie out of that. I keep seeing the trailer every time I go. I'm so excited for this movie. I love Brad Pitt. I, it looks like quirky and, and just weird and interesting. You know, there's going to be action, and so I listened to the book, and um, it looks like there's going to be some differences because the the movie, the trailer makes it look like there's a lot more players on the train. Like a lot more going on, a lot more characters. So the book was actually pretty interesting, and there is one character in the book is like, oh my gosh, I was just like, oh, this character is like just shaking my fist. So I, I'll I'll be curious to see how that how the, the book and, and I'll so I'll talk more about the book. I'm not going to get into it now. Obviously, it doesn't make any sense. So when the movie comes out, you know, we can compare it to. Two. And uh, so I think that's in I think it's June or July, and I forget. But anyways, there is a Squirrel Girl podcast that has started. You can listen to the first episode now, and it's a scripted podcast. Ryan North is writing it, so Ryan North brilliantly wrote the, the Marvel comics and um, – it was just hilarious. It was just, just so quirky and just so so witty and just brilliant. Just like you know, I've already said that, but just with all that. So he's writing it. The podcast is picking up after where the, the 2019 series ended, and Miliana Weintraub, so the AT and T lady, who was supposed to play Squirrel Girl in the New Warriors. Show that they did the pilot, whatever, and it didn't get picked up or, or whatever. So she's voicing Squirrel Girl. So that, that I think that's really cool. That you know she basically learned who this character could be. You know how how she would portray this this character, and you know they even did like costume tests or whatever. And so now she gets to use that and chat, You know it's like who who else? I mean she she's invested time and energy to figure out how to capture this character's Identity or whatever, so she's going to be voicing. So I, I definitely I need to check that out. I think it's going to be six episodes. So the first episode, like I said, first episode is out. It's going to be um, coming onto the the SXM app and the Marvel Podcast Unlimited. It will be on there a week before it goes everywhere else. So you can listen to wherever you listen to podcasts, but there's going to be like a week delay because it's exclusive to these other things first if you can wait a week or, you know, like I said, if, if you have any, whatever, you'll be able to hear that. So I might have to check that out. We'll have to see. I think the first episode, I think it was like 39 ep minutes or something like that. So we'll have to see about that. Uh, but I but I am curious to, to hear how that goes. Um, the original Michael Myers, uh, I, I forgot his name. He basically was, was uh, talking about Halloween ends, And he was at at like a convention or something like that, I think. And he said that he's going to have a cameo in it. And he thinks that maybe there'll be more of them, you know, because of the success of the trilogy. So obviously, does he have any insider information? Maybe he does, or maybe he's just speculating, or, you know, maybe it's just excitement and he hopes so. He said that the Halloween ends will have a very surprising ending for everyone. He says it's absolutely something I don't think you would. Have ever guessed in terms of the way it's going to unroll? So no idea what that means. So that's um, that'll be interesting to, to see. I, I, and as much as I, you know, I am, I, I would be hoping for more. But just at some point, I wonder, it's like you know, how long can this go on? But I guess since technically this is like halloween 3 you know everything that happened in the other movies never happened. so it's not like it just keeps you know he keeps coming back over and over and over again so whatever it, it it could be fine if they make more oh speaking of netflix there's a arnold schwarzenegger netflix series it's an untitled series it doesn't have a title yet they just announced like an addition to the cast or something like that i didn't look too carefully to see if there's like any names that i recognize but apparently I don't know anything really about this. Apparently, it's supposed to be like a father-daughter take on like the Mr. and Mrs. Smith scenario thing. So maybe they're both like some sort of agents and then they end up like, oh my gosh, you're a secret agent? What are you doing? And how come I didn't know this or whatever? So that that could be interesting. Uh, I like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, something else coming to HBO Max on May 15th. So maybe I'll talk about this. We'll see. I mean, depending on what else there is. The Time Traveler's Wife. Now, a friend is like, oh, is that a chick flick? Is that a, whatever? Because <laughs> it's a, it's based off a novel. And uh, is the novel, was it geared more towards female readers? Maybe. I don't know. I listened to the audiobook, and I, I thought it was brilliant. So basically, it's this dude who has a condition. He's a time traveler, except he can't control it. So he, he'll be doing something, and then he just disappears. And he just leaves his clothes behind, his body disappear, disappears, and I forget if it if he's if he travels within his lifetime. I think that's what it was. So it was a little kind of like quantum leapish, but um, so basically, like if he was born in 1980 or whatever, you know, that that's the furthest back he would go. He's not going to go to like 1950. Um, eventually, you know, he does get married. But you see in a trailer where he like meets his future wife for the first time she's and she's already met him and he's never met her and he's like oh so we've met already because you know she she knows about the time travel the time traveling and stuff like that so it's just you look at it and it's, it's it's a little heartbreaking just the fact that there's no control over it i mean imagine you're trying to just hang out with you know someone that you care about and then all of a sudden poof you're gone and then just the fact that you wake up, it's you, first of all, you don't even know when you are. I don't. I don't think you have like an internal clock that says, "Oh, you're in 1997 right now." So you wake up somewhere, or you not wake up. You just suddenly appear somewhere else, and you're book naked because your your clothes is left behind. So then you have to figure out, well, here I am, and then you have to you know try to figure out where you can acquire some clothes before you get arrested or something. And I think that was uh, six episodes, too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that because the movie had Eric Bana and Rachel McAdams. I only saw it once, and I think it was it was okay. Uh, I really enjoyed the book, and I feel like the movie wasn't able to quite capture it all. And it was probably just because it was limited in, in terms of time. So with a six-episode series, they can— flesh things out a little more and, you know, just expand on, just, you know, tell the story of the book. So it'll be interesting to, to, to see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And then uh, the last bit of news is uh, Werewolf by Night News, rumor possible casting for Elsa Bloodstone. So Elsa Bloodstone is an interesting character, and, you know, she's a monster, monster hunter or whatever. So it would make sense, and I don't know if this is official official, and I'm not. I don't even know if she's officially been announced to be in in Werewolf by Night. It makes sense if we have a werewolf, you're gonna have like some monster hunter probably trying to hunt the werewolf and and you know put the werewolf down so they don't harm innocent people or whatever. So according to I think as a Cosmic Circus, I haven't. I'm not familiar with that outlet, so I don't know how reliable it is. But I haven't heard this anywhere else. So the report is Elsa Bloodstone will be played by Laura Donnelly. If that's true, I think that is going to be brilliant casting. I think she would be amazing as Elsa Bloodstone. So Laura Donnelly was in uh, was it The Nevers, the HBO Max, the the Joss Whedon where he left the the, the show, and she was also an Outlander, and she's also in uh, she's in something else too. But she would I think she would be great as uh, Elsa Bloodstone. So hopefully that's true. We'll have to see. And um, that's all we're going to have to see. We'll we'll have to see what's next because that's it for the news. As far as comics, um, so here's the thing. It it feels like there wasn't a lot that came out this week. It's like strangely like a a smaller number. And of course I didn't read everything that I was supposed to, that I would normally have read. Um, So like, because like at Image, there wasn't a whole lot that came out. I'm like, what is going on it felt like it was a fifth week where you know a lot of times there's there's not that much but it's like what i'm reading so like good asian number 10 final issue 10 out of 10 came out i i fell behind on that and uh, i'm i am curious you know maybe at some point i'll i'll you know try to get the issues and you know try to get this i'll you know track down whatever um department of truth volume three came out i would i strongly recommend that that's that's been good and um, Ice Cream Man 29, <laughs> I still haven't read Ice Cream Man. I'm so obsessed, curious, not obsessed, I'm so curious about this series. Uh, you know, I i have, like, I think, I don't even know how many trades, two, whatever. I, I've i have been getting, like, some of the issues, and I was like, I got to read this at some point. I could, maybe I hate it, I could love it. I have no idea. I'm just so fascinated, curious. It's just, I need more time in my life, but... I don't know. So that that came out, um, issue twenty nine. Oh man, I was gonna read. To see, here is the thing: uh, Secret History of War on Weed came out. Um, and and the reason I wanted to read this is because it's by Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn. Scott Koblish does the art. So great creative team. You know, I'm really curious uh, to see what they have to do with this and. I'm not like a, a super strong like advocate for weed or anything like that. You know, I you do it, you don't do it. What at that I'm fine either way. I don't know. I was like, like, what is this about? I'm, I'm just like so so um, confused and everything, or not really confused, but so basically, it says uh, Brian Pussain, Jerry Duggan, Scott Koblish reform Voltron metaphorically only. <laughs> from their days on Deadpool, also not appearing, to tell a true story and lost chapter from our nation's sad and failed war on drugs. The year is 1985. The First Lady decides to crush Northern California cannabis farmers and deploys the biggest tool in the armed forces, Scotch McTierran, collectible first of many hilarious appearances, and, quote, if it weeds, we can kill it. Scotch puts his boots on the ground in Humboldt and does what he does best but what happens when he gets high for the first time this one shot has it all laughs tears heart action plus an activities page portions of the proceeds of this comic will be donated to organizations dedicated to helping casualties of america's immoral drug war so i was really curious about that just because jerry duggan i i think he's he's a he's a great guy he's a nice guy and uh the you know the, all their work on deadpool was great so i didn't read that but i i do have the issue. maybe maybe if if i could get around to actually reading it maybe i'll remember to talk about it next week the other thing that came out from image that i just totally dropped the ball on was slumber number two so i i read the first issue where there's uh this, like serial killer killing people like somehow making people sleepwalk and kill people that was a serious right because I have this, I have issued this issue too, but I haven't read it. And I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. And uh, so basically, this killer killer is controlling people and using them to kill people, and it's kind of framing them. And you know, because then they wake up and there's like a bloody mess and dead body, and you know nothing that they can do. So it's just like, um, yeah. And then yeah, so things it left off. Things got a little sticky in the the, the first issue. Okay, at DC Comics, uh, Trial the Amazon's Wonder Girl issue two. I was curious to read this. I should have read this. I'm not like, I don't really know what the angle or focus of the Trial at Amazon's is. I read most of that last, was it Wonder Woman last week or something like that? And, you know, I was, I mentioned I was happy that Wonder Woman was in it, Donna Troy and Yara Floor. So I thought that was really cool. I should have read this. I don't know if I actually read, was there a Trials of of Amazon's Wonder Girl issue one? I don't remember that, but there must have been. So maybe I should read that first. Nice House on the Lake issue eight. Oh, man. Now here, this is another series where it's just hard to, how do you describe this to someone who hasn't read it or doesn't know anything about it? If you've been listening to me talk about comics each week, then you have heard me talk about it. So with issue eight, so basically these friends were invited to a lake house, to a nice house on a lake by and it's it's kind of different friends. They they're not like all in the same circle, but they all notice one guy. So so many the people they've interacted like friends of friends and different incidents where they've they've kind of overlapped and, and so forth. But it's not like this entire group, they're like all like one big group of friends. So they're they get invited everybody's dude Walter and then he t- basically tells them, like, it's the end of the world. The world's on fire. You're, they're basically trapped in this house and the vicinities. You know, there, there's, like, other, like, wooded area and stuff like that. And uh, supposedly every, everything else is dead. You know, there's, there's no signals. There's no, nothing out there. But they get this, like, mysterious replenish of stock or whatever, like, food or whatever they need. They just need to make a list, and they pretty much get what they want. So that there's there's that part. They kind of go exploring. They find this other's like structure, and there's like other stuff going on. And then what we found out, was it last issue? Spoiler: that there's actually another friend that was there, but at a different place. So it's like, well, why is this person being kept separate, and what is the idea? And you know, some people they're, they they want to try to contact their families or something like that, but they're probably there. There's nothing out there. But is is that really true? And, so it's just like really weird, it's, it's James Tynan IV writing it. I mean, it's a black label book, so it's it's definitely interesting and and, and worth checking out. Okay, there was also the Flash Seven Eighty One. Eh, I'm not really sure how I feel about this so much. It was so we you know we have Wally West because Barry Allen is I don't even know where Barry Barry Allen is now. He's somewhere in the multiverse or trapped or who knows what. So Wally West has been to Flash recently, and he goes to hang out with. Wallace West with Kid Flash. And it it's a little weird at first because Wallace is at the Teen Titans Academy. He's like taking a test and Wally's outside. He's like, "Come on, come on, let's let's go and everything." It's like he's he's in school, you know, in in a sense, and he's doing this or whatever. And they just basically go around and and uh, Wallace is a little grumpy about everything and and you know, I think Wally's just trying to trying to lighten up, you know, the mood and and you know, everything. So it was, it was okay of an issue. Um, Robin's issue six. So this is a, the end of the story. We find out more who is this original person who says that, you know, she said she was the first Robin. What is going on? What what really went down with with Batman before Dick Grayson came on the scene and everything? So it was, you know, it was a definitely an interesting story and everything and how everything was laid out. My only problem is the way it didn't feel like it was in continuity. Cause you know, Nightwing's going around with a man bun. And I don't I don't even know if his hair is long enough to have a man bun in the regular comics. Or It just, it just felt like it was longer here. And you know, like Damien's here and Damien just seems like so anti Gotham, you know, for for the most part. And it was kinda kinda weird seeing like Tim and, and Stephanie like, in the same place, you know, dealing, and there's, like, really no... I don't even remember... Did we see them break up? Like, when did that happen? Was that, like, off-panel and, like, nowhere? So, I don't know. Do we have all that? Um, Refrigerator Full of Heads, issue six came out, so it's kind of a conclusion of storyline. And as I mentioned, I I really enjoyed Basket Full of Heads, but Refrigerator Full of Heads just wasn't quite the same. I mean, it, it was interesting, but... There's there's some things that were just a little, felt a little too absurd. And, you know, like a severed head making its way across, like through the woods and, you know, to get to its its boss or whatever. It's just, it seemed too silly. Nightwing 91. So more on, uh, basically, you know, Blockbuster has put a target on Dick Grayson because, you know, he's using money that Alfred left for him to buy out like all this land and stuff like that, you know, whatever that they were going to use to criminal development. And he wants to make like affordable housing or low, super, super low income housing or whatever, you know, for people and everything like that. So all these people are trying to kill uh, Dick Grayson, but he has a lot of friends and like the Titans and help. so Wally, Wally West, flash is is here helping him out. And then, uh, you know, of course, Barbara Gordon is, is assisting and they're gonna to try to go over this like mythical assassin, a ranger person, and so some some interesting things there. So I, I I'm I'm really in, enjoying Tom Taylor's run on this. Okay, then there was uh, Earth Prime Superman and Lois issue two, and when I was I was like, wait, what issue two? I was like, what happened to issue one? So I, I checked this out, and it it turns out it was, <laughs> it was uh, it's from the, the Smallville show. But it has art by Tom Grummet. I thought that was really, really cool. So Jai Jameson, Adam Mallwinger, and Andrew N. Wong are the writers. I'm wondering if they they've written for the show. you know, like why else would we have three writers writing a comic? Maybe? I mean whatever. But Tom Grummet is the pencils, and Norm Ratman does the ink. So I was just like, and Hi-fi does the colors, or does the colors. It's the story is fine. you know, I, I enjoyed it, but the the art, I it just why is Tom Grummett not doing like other like bigger books? You know, no offense to this book, and you know maybe I don't know if people watching the show will pick up this book. Maybe I mean that that could be the case, but it was a yeah. I I, I really really dug the art. The story was was nice. You know, we, we see like Super and Lois like trying to celebrate their first anniversary, you know, like through some flashbacks, you know, they're, they're telling the kids the story and, and stuff like that. So I, I, it was fine. Catwoman, Lonely City, issue three. This is such a good book. So this is written and drawn by Cliff Ching. And it's basically, you know, older Catwoman, uh, Batman is dead. And, you know, she's, the things are just like so wacky, you know, like two faces, the mayor. And, you know, Catwoman is trying to pull a score, but, You know, she's older, and you know she was in jail for a while, and and she's you know teaming up with certain sketchy people, like familiar faces that we know. So it's it's just a really good book, and I don't know that's probably like a horrible sell on it, but I I strongly, strongly recommend Catwoman: Lonely City. So you should read that. Catwoman Forty Two. I've been I've been kind of enjoying this series. You know, I I was a little like off and on with it before. And while I I kind of feel like this story is is now starting to, not maybe kind of drag on a little bit, but I'm still curious to see what what's going on. So you know, Catwoman is taking on a black mask, and you know there's this other dude who's kind of helping her out. She's not super crazy about it. She doesn't know who he is, but you know he's like killed some people, and she's not like really super cool with that. But it's interesting seeing Catwoman, you know, trying to just take on like the mob people and you know the organized crime and stuff like that. So I, I'm I'm actually enjoying that. Blue and Gold Issue Eight. This, uh, as as you're reading it, then it really starts to feel like it's the last episode, like the last issue, and I think it is. So we we have some time has passed. Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, they're helping people out. You know, they're, they're trying to save the world or whatever but they don't really have money they don't have funding because Ted Cord lost control of Cord Industries and they're trying to do like crowdsourcing you know having people you know pay if they want but that's obviously not enough because there's so much overhead and and stuff like that whatever and uh, there's also the fact that Black Beetle is after them and like kind of pulls like kidnaps them or whatever pulls them out of time and I'm trying to remember, like when the Booster Gold series was out in uh, 2000, late 2000 or late 2000, like eight, nine, 10, 2010. I don't remember when that that series came out. But I remember Black Beetle being there, and well, his name is Black Beetle, right? I don't know, don't know if we ever got his identity, but then you know we we do get some answers here and so forth. So I don't remember if they changed it or if we knew this before or whatever. feel like maybe we did maybe i just forgot i could look it up and i'm sure you know it would would tell you everything there but yeah so um the end of the issue resolves like a major problem that they would have to deal with and it's but then the fact that it's the last issue or whatever it's just like wait is everything solved like what's going to happen now so maybe we'll get more and then batman the Night Issue Four. So this is the Chip Zdarsky series. So we're, we're seeing a younger Bruce Wayne. You know, he just spent you know time in, in France learning how to be like a thief, like a pickpocket. His he had his encounter with Henry Ducard, and um, so with in issue four, Bruce goes to he he wants to get more more training. You know, he wants to learn how to, how to fight. So he goes to like a north korea to the the mountains and uh he's like the monastery and he wants to learn to fight and when he first gets there they're like whatever dude and they they make him like fight all these people and he keeps getting his butt kicked. but he keeps persisting like day after day he's he's like ready and then he finally gets let in he starts his training you know it's not all glamorous and then there's this. Then all of a sudden, these who are these sketchy people that just showed up, and now they're suddenly students without having gone through all the hardship that the others did. And so we, we get some interesting things in here. So I, I, I really like this, and I what I especially what I like because it, it's not even Batman Year One. It's it's like negative negative four or something. I don't even know, but it, it's interesting seeing this part of, of Batman of Bruce Wayne that we don't often see. So it's like I said, it's before he's even Batman. So he's still like trying to figure everything out. So I I think that's cool because it's it's not something that's been done so many times. So that that was good. And then Batman, Superman, World's Finest issue two. This is uh, Mark Wade, Dan Moore. It's it's just it's it's such a it's a good comic, and it just it feels it's like just it's like instant classic you know when you read these stories definitely not current continuity and that i think that's great that's fine because it makes it clear you know like with robins you know that that's supposed to be in the present ish but i i just wasn't really sure where it takes place and there's so many other things like why isn't this connecting to all the other you know characters issues whatever but at least with this you know the way this story is is being unfolded, where you know it's not happening now, and so it that it's a little liberating, you know, in in some ways that you know you don't have to worry about about that being you know making sure you everything matches up. So I, I, it, it's just weird that you know. So I, I did like it, but you know it's 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 a good creative team. So of course, then over at Marvel, we had Avengers 55. When I looked at the cover, I'm just like. Man, we got Nighthawk in here. I'm not the biggest Nighthawk fan. I'm not the biggest Squadron Supreme fan. This did you a know, whole Heroes Reborn thing. I just, I don't even know where that was coming from everything. So, Nighthawk is in the regular 616, and he knows that things, you know, he, I think he has like memories of the Heroes Reborn universe. So, he knows how he was manipulated and used, and he's not super, you know, he's just really bummed and, it, you know, he's just looking at extreme ways to deal with things, but basically, then T'Challa reaches out to him, and you know, he's like, "I know what you're doing." Everything he's like, but he, he's trying to get him to to join forces because you know, there there's with Mephisto, there's a lot of crazy things happening, so they're they're trying to figure out like everything that they could do to try to just prepare for what, what's happening. And then there's like the, the serpent societies there, and there's just like, like totally extreme, like what is happening with them. So, interesting issue. Um, Hulk issue six. Uh, I don't really know. I, I'm not super crazy about this Starship Hulk thing. It's, you know, there are definitely interesting aspects to the story and seeing how Bruce is handling everything, but. I don't know just maybe being the final whatever issue it, and it just it, it was just a lot of the same and and some things just felt like they escalate like super quickly and it's like wouldn't there be a little more control over the situation but maybe not so it was it was fine and uh I saw one site like spoil it like oh meet the latest Hulk or you know whatever and it's like there's a shown image and it wasn't really a hulk it kind of is a hulk but oh I forgot Captain America Issue Zero came out. So this is by Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, and also Toshi Onyabuchi, And the, the story, basically, they're, they're going against Arnim Zola. There's a big bomb in New York. It's about to go off. It's about to explode. It's going to change everything. It's going to destroy all these, kill all these people, do all whatever. And so you, you got the big crazy bad guy and the big threat and then steve cap captain america and sam wilson also captain america they're teaming together and there's just there's kind of some cheesy moments like there's one point where you know they they use each other's shield and they're complimenting each other and there's a part where you know they do the whole fist handshake whatever and uh there's some parts are just i don't don't know for me it just it was a, a little like eye rolling inducing or whatever and so the, the story, you know, it it it's kind of a, it's it's a cool story, whatever, you know, fighting, you know, there's this big missile rocket that's about to go off and what can they do and high stakes and everything like that. But I don't know, it, it, it also kind of felt a little cheesy at times. And I don't know if I'm just getting old and skeptical and bitter, whatever. I really like Captain America. I really love Captain America. He's one of my favorite Marvel characters and... I just haven't been like super excited about the Captain America series lately. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just always been like one thing or other. Like, I'm all for shaking up the status quo and everything, but when you shake it so much that it's just so different, it's just it's it, to me it's not enjoyable. At least here we have Steve back as Captain America. Awesome. Sam Wilson is Captain America too. I think that's great. I think it's gonna be a little confusing that they're both Captain America, but I guess that's fine. I. I mean, he deserves to be Captain America. You know, he was Captain America before, but at the same time, he's also Falcon. You know, it's it's almost like it's saying that being Falcon isn't good enough, that you know he has to take on someone else's mantle. Yeah, it's it's a good thing, but eh, I don't know. We'll see how this the series goes when it when it launches. We're gonna have Captain America, symbol of truth. So this is gonna be by Toshi. Onyebuchi, and R.B. Silva. And then there's going to be... And that's going to be Sam Wilson. And then we're going to have Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, which will be by Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, and Carmen Canero. So these are Symbol of Truth. The Sam Wilson comes out in May. Sentinel of Liberty comes out in June. Oh, and the the artist on this issue was Mattia de Iulis. So some, some slick art, but... I can't say that I love the book. Uh, It was just, it was a bit much for me at times. Okay, then going back, Shang Chi issue eleven came out. I love 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 the art. I love Marcus To's art. I mean, there's something so, it's so like detailed and crisp, and it's just I just I just love seeing how he draws everyone. The story isn't quite super working for me and part of it is there's just so many characters that I don't know who all the characters are and I I don't have an attachment to them so it's hard for me to care like who's like like some of them it's like okay who's good who's not good who's teaming with who and who is going to betray who and who's fighting against who so it's just it's hard for me to get into but I just I really love Marcus Tozart. Then there was Spider Woman or Spider Gwen Gwenverse issue two. And with this You know, I I, I was okay with the first issue. I think I, I, I did I like the first issue? I think I did. But this issue I just start, it started losing me more and more. Because we're we're seeing all these different versions of Gwen. There's like, you know, Captain America, Gwen Stacy, there's uh, Wolverine Gwen Stacy, there's whatever you know. So it just it feels like it's just too much, and then for some reason they're ending up in on Earth sixty five, and you know, our our Spider Gwen is having to deal with them, and I just I, I'm not really sure where it's going. Like what what's the point of all this? And it's when when you take a I mean this is like the problem I'm having with the Miles Morales what if. If you're taking a character and trying to say, oh, in this other world you're going to be Spider-Man, this other world you're going to be Wolverine, this other world you're going to be Wonder Woman, which is a different universe, doesn't make any sense. But you get what I'm saying. So it's just, it's one thing if you're going to have like Miles Morales in one universe he's Spider-Man, another universe he's just a plain old kid, another universe he's a, a piano player, p- pianist or whatever. But then when, if you're taking one character, you're like, in one universe, you're in the Fantastic Four. In another universe, you're in the X-Men. It just, for them, the events, whatever, to somehow make such drastic changes that coincidentally makes them take on the guise of another, it, it's just, that seems like just too much of a stretch. I don't know. I'm, again, maybe old bitter, get off my lawn. I don't. I don't know, but I'm just having a problem with certain things okay then the last issue was uh wolverine issue 20 i i kind of didn't really like this because it was deadpool's in here and it just it's got that mix because you know wolverine is so serious and and uh deadpool is just so wacky but at some points i feel like there's just like too much of certain things happening so I don't know. And I, I love that. I don't love I really like Deadpool, but it was almost too, too much for me. And then at the end, there's a reveal. I'm assuming it's a reveal of potential big, bad, nasty villain that they're going to have to be dealing with very, very, very soon. So that's not going to be good for them. And with that, I believe that is it for comics this week. So, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of comics so I, I don't really know what happened, why that was, but I guess that's how it is. Now watch next week. There's going to be like like uh, you know 500 comics that I'm going to have to try to read. Okay, then I guess we're going to jump all the way to Star Trek Picard. This is something that's usually like later in the, the episode, but that's just the way it goes. So uh, season two, episode eight, Mercy. So there's, man, things are just escalating. Things are just crazy. <sighs> But the, the, you got to have all this this tension, whatever, bad times, all these shenanigans. So it starts off, we see someone's like running in the woods with a, a flashlight. It's a boy. And he like screams. And then, you know, he drops his flashlight. And there's like two kind of robe people in front of him. I was like, wait, are they Vulcans? So then it cuts to Picard and Guinan. Guinan. I always say her name wrong the first time. Guinan. They're like an interrogation room type thing. The dude from the, the bar, I think his name is Agent Wells, he finally comes in and he's like, oh no, this is an interview, not an interrogation. He's like, I, I really don't like that word. So he's like, question one, are you an extraterrestrial life form? So Picard and Guinan, they they look at each other and they laugh. Picard can say says, I could truly say I am not. And Guinan keeps laughing and the dudes write something. And she's like, oh, what are you writing? He's like, oh, I'm just making a note that your species has humor. So Picard's like, this is absurd. He's like, we've cooperated. Now we would like to leave. The dude's like, well, yeah, you can leave as soon as you tell me your plans to sabotage a Europa mission. So Guinan tells Picard, he's like, this guy is buckets of crazy. (laughs) Then she says that, You know, this is, this must be super off the books. She's like, this is a basement with a bunch of broken filing cabinets. She's like that camera, she points the camera like in the corner. She's like, that's not even plugged in. And the dude like smiles. He's like, yeah, you're right. This is super off the books. He's like, in fact, no one even knows that you're here in this FBI field office basement. He's like, and you know, things do tend to disappear down here. He's like hopes, dreams, and as of today, aliens. So he's like, almost like he's threatening them. Seven and Rafi they check out the dive bar where Girardi was, where she like, like broke the window, whatever the night before. Rafi calls Rios. He he wants to go to him right away, but Rafi's like, no, no, no. It's like stay on the ship. She so he's concerned. He's that there's a Borg queen loose in Los Angeles, but she tells him to go through all the operating systems on the ship to make sure that that uh, Girardi or Borg queen didn't Borgify anything else. So Seven tells Rafi that. They can't trace her. You know, there's no way to detect her or whatever. But Rafi's like, well, then you'll just have to Borg up. And Seven's like, yeah, no cranial implants means, you know, no Borg proximity transceiver. She's like, I can't track her. So Rafi's like, well, imagine you're her loose, you know, on the loose with legs. What do you do? And Seven says sternly, she's like, I don't know, Rafi. I'm not Borg. So they go to talk to this, the dude, like sweeping the glass from the, the bar window uh, that, that Agnes broke, and he says he's like, "Well, I don't want to talk to police," and because he's like, "I see how you know you slap people around." And Seven says like, "You know, we're not police." She's like, "That's why we want to you know find her before the, you know they do," and she's like, "She's my sister," and you know we want to get her to a facility. So the guy's like, "Yeah, I don't know where she's at." You know, she left with some, you know this big dude, you know, with the, the big red beard, you know, big dude, red beard, whatever they went around the corner that, that way. So it's like, that doesn't really help him much. Picard tells the FBI dude that, you know, they would love to see the rocket launch tomorrow. And the dude's like says that, you know, he has a lady friend with the city and she emails him anytime something odd pops up on a CCTV, like when someone shimmers into existence on a downtown street. So he dropped his image in a database and boom, there's a, you know, on his, his uh, tablet, there's a shot of Picard from the gala in his, like, tux. So he's, like, one of six known trespassers at the Europa Gala. And, you know, he's like, scrolls through all of them. So he wonders, why would aliens crash a gala for a, a space mission. And Guinan says that you know she's getting breaking terrorist vibes off this dude, not like FBI interrogator ones. So she asks if it's like something else put him in that chair. So she's like, tell me, Agent Wells, what makes you the man for this job? And he says that he's just an old-fashioned, dedicated civil servant. And she's like, yeah, you, you probably work a lot. You sleep a little. You come in in your wrinkled suit and your big mug of coffee. She's like, I'm a bartender. I've seen this guy you know, you're kind before. And she's like, this is personal. And he just kind of smiles. You know, he doesn't really respond to all that. Then Picard, he, he comments, he's like, he, he mentions a bruise on his hand. He's like, that looks like it's from an IV. And Picard's like, oh, I was dehydrated. And he's like, after all, I'm only human. And the dude's like, yeah, you most certainly are. He's like, thank you folks. That'll be all for now. And then he goes to leave. And then Guinan starts talking, but I was my paranoia. My, I was like, he left his big old coffee cup there. I was like, is there a recording device or something in there? But she's like, if he believes that you know we're tampering with the Europa mission, then Q has no need to stop Renee from boarding the ship at all. She's like, the authorities will simply scrub the whole launch, and you know we will have broken a future on our own. Then we finally see Kore, So I don't think we saw our last less episode where she made a discovery of what her father. Uh, Dr. Soong you know that he created all these other versions of her so she's watching another video of her dad and he's saying frustration got the better of me I know now this will be the last and you know so she's like I need to get in there so she puts on like a VR goggles thing to look at like a 3d recreation of his lab to see what he might be hiding and then Q kind of flickers into into on her VR screen and he's like, he tells her patience. He's like, I'm a friend. I'm a fire starter. I'm a living program planted here when I hacked your father's system. So he's like, I've been waiting for you to arrive at this very moment. And, you know, he goes over to like some vials and he's like, you're so close to the answers you seek. He grabs one of the vials and he like knocks the other, others over. He's like, so sorry, the others didn't make it. He's like, looks like you were the strongest of the bunch. So then he goes to the computer and he, he um, puts like the the vial like on the sensor thing whatever, and she's like that's a human genome. It's like what was he? Am I am I an experiment? And Q's like he created you but locked you in a prison. I'm sending you the key. Are you brave enough to use it? So she takes off the VR goggles. Then she gets a text. An automated voice says that there's a delivery available in an environ safe airlock. So there's a, like a, a, almost like a metal box with like a bow on it. And then she opens it. There's like kind of like some smoke kind of like pours out of there a little bit. And then there's this vial in there with like blue liquid and a tag that says freedom. Seven says Rafi. She's like, see, you know, people open up to you when they trust you. And she's like, that guy's face was a map. She, and then she's like, no wonder I'm president, you know, in this alternate future or president, whatever. So they walk down this alley and then they see a big dead guy with a beard and seven says she's like it doesn't mean that gerardi's not in there trying to fight and rafi's like yeah it says that she's losing then seven says that you know she'd want nothing if she were in in the board queen's shoes she'd want nothing but the connection she's like if you felt it it would be hard to think of anything except you know getting it back she's like she has been able to assimilate or they'd know so she can't have what she wants so she tried to recreate that feeling of connection one-on-one. And Rafi's like, well, why kill him? And Seven's like, because it didn't work. So she didn't feel anything from this one-on-one. It wasn't enough. So she got frustrated and angry and took it out on, on what couldn't satisfy her. Rafi's like, wow, that's incredibly spot on. And Seven whips around. She's like, can we not? She's like, that I can access her is not impressive. You could... Just be a little less happy that I'm defective. And is like smiling and stammering. And she's like, what a jerk. I mean, Rafi's kind of bugged, rubbed me the wrong way sometimes. But she's being like just, it's almost like she's being cruel to to Seven. And and they're like, they're pretty close, it seems like. It seems like they're friends. Then Rafi's like, okay, I'm going to try not to take this personally. But then Seven interrupts her. She's like, you manipulate Everyone has to be exactly where Rafi wants them. You think we don't see that, but we all do. And Rafi's smile like suddenly vanished. So it's like, yeah, take that. And Seven gets distracted and looks at something behind Rafi, and she's like, oh, this must be the, the dude's phone. So Seven's like, what? What's in cell phone batteries? So Rafi takes it, and scans it with her. She's like, lithium ions. She's like, a stabilizing metal, high energy storage. And then she's like, whoa, whoa. She's like, hey, are, are you are right? So Seven says that. When you're simulated the Borg inject you with st- stabilizing metals so that your body can handle the nano probes she's like I can still remember to smell she's like I was six I can taste it now and Rafi asks if they can't contain her are, are they gonna have to kill jararty but before seven can answer they hear like a loud like banging or something like that so they go to check it out several cars lined up with like their hoods up and like the engine's all smoky and a little melty. So Girardi's there and she pulls like something out of like the engine, like must be the battery or something like that. And then she hears Rafi and seven come up. This part was a little silly. She jumps up, starts running across the back of the the cars. And there's like maybe like eight of them lined up. And, and, you know, as soon as, before she even starts, you know, running Rafi whips out her gun and, and she yells at Girardi. She's like, that's it. Stop. But before she can shoot, Girardi managed to run across all these cars, kick the gun out of her hand, even though it took like a few seconds to get there across the parking lot. Girardi swings um, at seven, which in hits her, sends her flying back and you know, she slams into like the side of a dumpster, and she grabs Raffi by the throat, starts lifting her up, like she's gonna like Darth Vader style, like she's gonna just like snap her neck. Seven like struggles to get up, but then inside Gerardi's like, no, no. And she manages to get the board queen to stop. And then she just like walks away and leaves them like on the ground recovering. So thank goodness. So Gerardi is still in there. Picard and Guinan are still in the room. The dude comes back in. He's like, The thing is, obsession's only obsession until it pays off. He's like, Then it's diligence. And Guinan's like, What? He, he mentions the IV bruise. He's like, Clearly, you know, you wouldn't have gone to hospital. So I started thinking, Clinic, clinic. Where have I heard that recently? You know who else went to a clinic? Your buddy. He puts on a picture of Rios. He was arrested during a Homeland Security raid there. He also made a completely innocuous statement, which he hands to Picard. He asks Picard to read it. You know, blah, 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 stuck in a primitive past, trying to fix timeline with a ragtag group of spits, including one cybernetic queen that I'm fairly certain is just in it to wipe out all of humanity with her old cohort, a crusty old admiral, who, if I understand it correctly, is now a flesh and blood robot. So the guy... Just wants to circle back. He's like, let's talk about this wiping out humanity part. And he, he's like, I just had the clinic searched. So he, he pulls out Rios' com badge. And he's like, how long do you think it'll be before my guys figure out that this technology is not from Earth? Hmm? And then he like knocks on the door. He asks Guinan to accompany his colleague, this lady down the hall, because he's going to focus on her uncle. On the ship, uh, the dock ladies, her dumb kids hitting a bunch of buttons on the ship or whatever, and she like tells them to stop. And Rio's like, Oh no, no, it's fine. The ship's in diagnostic mode for another hour, you know, looking for stowaway borg subroutines. So then they look at him and he he takes them to like the feud, the food maker thing and he tells them that they can ask for anything they like. So the dumb kid, Ricardo, he's like, Four cakes. And she's like, Ricardo, and Reels just keeps like chuckling. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is just ridiculous." So then he talks to Doc, and he's like, "You know what's what's your, your your life like?" And she's like, "Chaos. You know, she works so much. When she comes home, she just lets Ricardo stay up watching TV in her bed. And she says that you know she had a different upbringing. You know, she had boundaries. She was reserved. And she, but then she's asking about him. She's like, "You know, I've saved your butt several times. I would like to you know know more about you know." have more of you in my memory banks or whatever, since I'll probably never see you again. So he says that he'd like to think that they saved each other. And in Spanish, she's like, this was kind of weird. She's like, pretend we're married. And he's like, whoa. She says, you know, we used to spend every second together. Now it feels like a business partnership. We talk, but don't talk. Then we we get stuck, literally. Driving to a family for Christmas, we break down. So I'm just like, where's this going? So she mentioned, you know, they go to a crappy motel. She starts thinking of having an affair with someone from work. At the bar, he tells her something about himself. They've known each other for 10 years, and it brings her to tears. She never knew that. So that's what she wants him to tell her now before he flies away, the fundamental deepest truth that in another life it took her a decade to to learn about him. And it's just like, what? (laughs) What, what do you get it? it's like okay i barely know you you want to know my deepest darkest secret We're like what so he says that that the moment that he fell for her he uh, then the kid like interrupts so it's like is he talking about he actually fell for her or in the, the story whatever but then the, so Ricard's like mom mommy my, my tummy hurts and she's like she says a real she's like your fault uh no, it's like she's a dumb dumb to let her kid have four huge slices of four different kinds of cake. So she she gets up to get her kid, and then then she turns around, she goes to real, she like smooches him. So like okay, Agent Wells says loudly in Picard's ear, he's like details. What are your intentions regarding the Europa mission? And Picard's like none. I assure you. And Wells like well. You know, he's like I'm not naive I know that I'm outbrained he's like you found earth clearly you know your eons more intelligent he's like but listen everyone has pain receptors and he's like the alien tech he's like paperwork's been filed he's like other people know about it now so start you know talking to me is as good as it gets when the boys up the line arrive they get their answers another way And he's like, they'll cut you into pieces, they'll shove you under a microscope, and then the, the gist of your existence will be redacted, report, and rumor. He's like, they are coming. He's like, to them, you're nothing but a pig in a jar. Guinan's in another room, and then someone enters, and it's Q. And he's like in an FBI jacket. And he's like, you? You summoned me? And she's like, you must be Q. Took your dang time. And he's mad. He's like, summon me. He's like, it's a sacred ritual, not meant just for chatting. And she's like, I thought it didn't work. When the ritual stalled, You know, she's like, I felt something. Emptiness and fear. She's like, I thought it was me, but it wasn't. She's like, I felt it on you. You're dying. And she's like, she says that she knew that they could kill each other. His kind could kill each other, but she thought that they were immortal. He's like, yeah, I believe that too. And he thinks that you know, he's on the threshold of the unknow- unknowable, he's like let down with like how low key it all is, whatever he mentions like the brightness of dying stars. And he's simply disappearing into nothing. He says like, that's why, or she's like, that's why it took him so long to get there. And you know, that's why he walked in instead of just appearing in there. That's why he's using humans as his game pieces. So he snaps several times. He's like, see that he's like, I'm honestly trying to vaporize you at this moment. So she's like, how is all this with Picard helping you? She's like, you know, why bring him into the past? He's like, I didn't bring him, you know, into the past. He brought himself. And he's like, there are many forms of time travel, but Gain is like, but he's trapped here. And Q says, The trap is immaterial. It's the escape that counts. And he says that he's like, I'll see you when I see you and he leaves. And he's like, but before he's on his way out the door, he's like, humans all trapped in the past. Soon, Dr. Soon comes to check on Kore and you know he's he wants to apologize for his Last night, you know, he was drunk and whatever. She's looking at like a birthday picture, and she's like, you know, all all your talk of fixing me was was that a lie? Because no matter what, she's like, I was never going to leave this house, was I? And then she starts like listing all the names of the other, like, uh, you know, she's like different names for the same girl. Daughters of Zeus, you know, father to gods, my creator. She, and then she's like, explain your experiment, Doctor Sung, and he's like. Technically, you were created through semantic nuclear cell transfer and just dated in a proprietary medium. She's like, how many were there before me? And he's like, the lives of the first dozen were measured in hours. The next few in days, your predecessor made it to her fourth birthday or almost made it to her fourth birthday. Then came you. So he's like, I did everything, sacrifice everything for you. He's like, you should have died before you were six, but you didn't. And when you continue to live despite defects, to thrive, I couldn't help but hope. And with hope came success. And she's like, success, not love? And he's like, of, of course I, I love you. She's like, stop. She's like, you love your work. And she's like, you told me stories of a mother. And he's like, it made you happy. It wasn't real. And he's like, real? And he scoffs. He's like, real. Reality is a construct of simple minded fools who can't function in the absence of boundaries. Anyone can procreate. He's like, You exist because I willed it. So she, like, kind of turns her back, and he's like, Of course, I love my work. That doesn't mean I don't love you. And she says that she wants him to look inside. If she walks out that door, which, you know, would kill her, he's like, What is he afraid of losing, her or his legacy? And he's just like, uh, uh, He's just like speechless. So she opens the door and steps outside. She's like takes off her shoes, walks on the grass. On the grass, he finally runs out and he's like, "Corey, you need to stop." And then he's kind of like, he's surprised because she's fine, and she's like, "Yeah, the grass feels nice." And then she shows her him the the he she shows him the vial that says freedom. She's like, "Freedom from you," and he's like, "You don't get to walk away from me." And he's like, "You don't exist without me." And she's like, "If you follow me, I'll call the cops." Then she turns, you know, she starts walking away, but she turns and she's like, maybe it's you who doesn't exist without me. And he just like angrily st- stands there and watches her like walk off. Seven and Rafi finally get up. Seven uh, wants to look at Rafi's neck, but she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. She starts walking, but she stumbles a little bit. She's like, maybe I'm I'm almost fine. And then she's like, she could have, you know, killed me easily. And Seven's like, it's like, I know, you know, mercy is not a board quality. So Rafi says, it's a Girardi quality. And Seven's like, she's still in there somewhere. So the Borg Queen will use the metal from the car batteries to make nanoprobes so she can assimilate. Then what? Seven says she doesn't know. With imperfect metals comes imperfect assimilation. This means uh, this is a means to an ends. So it's basically a short-term plan. But a plan needs resources, and she has no tech. So it would have shown up on her scanners. Rafi's like, well, maybe it's not our tech you know she could have used that guy's cell phone so they hook up the phone to the tricorder and as seven hooks it up rafi brings um what seven said about her manipulating people and seven starts to apologize about that but rafi's like no you're right i do so she thinks back to this conversation she had with Elnor. Um, you know, she's like, I think she's working on Seven Ship or something like that. He said he got a message from the the people that he was with before, or something like that. So he's like, Yeah, I can go back and repay my debt. I I'd have to put off Starfleet for a year and you know, but then I could do this. And she's like, Wow. She's like, I thought you were going to follow my footsteps. He's like, I thought that was a plan. And she's like, you know, that place isn't you anymore. She's like, but if that's what you want to do, I'm sure it'll be fine she's like i don't know you know it's, it's your life so like oh my gosh you are such a jerk oh goodness so then and back in the whatever present she tells seven that she's the reason elnor stayed at the academy because you know she couldn't lose him too so she's just totally selfish and of course because of all that he's dead now he stayed for her and then he died in her arms they they look at the search history of the phone and then they're like what could she be looking for there and someone's like, whatever she needs. So we have to wait to see, like, what. Soon is is he sitting drinking? And then someone enters the house. And of course, he thinks it's it's uh, core, core, but it's really Gerardi. She's like, I assume a lecture on the futility of resistance is not going to be necessary. So soon asks if he's like, am I dreaming or is this a nightmare? And Gerardi says, ultimately, that's up to you. So Wells asked Picard, why was he at the gala? Then he's like, you know, the launch is in 19 hours. He's like, if you don't give me something now, I'll call mission control myself. So then the lights and electricity kind of flicker off for a second. And, you know, but, but then back on, then it happens again. Guinan's like talking to Picard, like mentally, or whatever. And she's kind of flickering. But so, you know, he's the only one that can see her. She's like, all humans are stuck in the past. And she's like, she says it again. She's concentrating. Blood's like dripping out of her nose. And she's like, stuck in the past. Then the lights stay on. Pick is like, stuck in the past. And he's like, I know a haunted man when I see one. The things we hold on to. The pieces of emotional shrapnel that drive us all our lives. What is it for you? What is your moment? What am I to you? He's like, perhaps an exchange of truths? well says that he's like you he's like okay he's like you're the thing I've waited for my whole life to come face to face with you're the thing in the night you're the monster in the dark so it goes back to the flashback this is what happened at the beginning of the episode we see the boy in the wood he's calling for maggie his dog he has a flashlight then he hears something so he goes to check it out and he sees a couple of Vulcans, but he freaks him out. So he turns a run, he like slides down a little bit, they follow him, he's whimpering, he's running, he falls, picks up his flashlight, turns it on, and they're there. And then one reaches out and does like the mind meld thing with his hand. So Well says that he trapped him that his whole hand was going to pull his eyeballs out. His fingers were were going into, like, through his skin. Then they just vanished, just like Picard, like, in, in the, the CCTV footage. He's like, at that moment, he knew he wouldn't walk to Earth like other people. If they were there then, they'd be back. And, and here he is. Picard asked him to show him, like, what he did with his hand. So Picard puts his hand on... on Uh, or wells puts his hand in picard's temple and he's like he wouldn't let go it's like he was pushing into my head and picard's like are you certain it wasn't like this and he holds up uh like two fingers and a thumb and then he he places he like replicates the moves on him he's like he wasn't a monster he was a vulcan and he wasn't trying to kill you he was trying to mind meld trying to erase the memory so you wouldn't be haunted like this clearly it failed and so now for Picard's truth, he's like, I am human, but I am from the future, the 25th century, and I'm here to save Earth, to save the entire galaxy, in fact. But to do so, it seems I need your help. And Wells is just, just kind of like speechless. So Rios checks the ship, air uh, transporter off- offline. The kid asks, he's like, oh, did I break it? And Rios is like, no, no, no. So he's like, someone else did. So he calls Rafi. He's like, they have big problems. And he's like, still no Picard. Guinan talks to Picard, they're in the same room now. So she says a Q was talking about him, but he was talking about like all of all humans. And it's it's like what's special about humans. Picard's like, yeah, their inability to escape the past. She's like, it's the opposite. When something inside you is broken, it stays with you. You live in the past until you're able to reconcile with it, even if it's painful. You do to work because you want to evolve. So she says that she almost forgot how unique that is in the galaxy. Picard asks if she has any idea what Q meant when he said that it was about the escape and not the trap. She says he seemed crazy. And then Wells comes in with a box. He's like, well, I knew I'd get the axe someday. And Picard's like, why? And he's like, I cried alien too much and I was wrong. So he gives Picard his comm badge back. He and he's like, the paperwork. He, he, so he lied about that. He's like, I knew if I gave them proof, they'd sideline me and then send you to a military site. So he's like, I wanted to be the one to prove it. He's like, at least I thought I did. So he's like, kind of wasted a life though. And Guinan's like, well, maybe not. Your species believes in an ebb and flow to things. He's like, that, that your destinies run apart and together. And that time is not what we think it is. And that some moments are meant to happen, even at great costs. Perhaps, you know, you had to be that boy so that you could be this man here to let us go. So he opens the door or whatever. And he's like, well, you should get moving. And she tells Picard that she can't believe that she's saying this, but she almost can't wait to meet him again. And she's talking about Picard. So Girardi, she's typing at Soong's computer, and she complains at how slow the satellites are. So she tells him that you know, he's quite famous in a version of where she comes from, but his potential is wavering. So he's like, who else has more to gain or lose right now than Adam Sung? So he says that he has nothing now. And she says that he's currently at a fork in the proverbial road. There's two futures. One leads to him bringing humanity back from the edge of extinction. They will call him father of the future or he dies alone. No glory forgotten in the pool of his own 90 proof vomit. So he asks, he's like, well, how do I guarantee that other path? And she's like, Rene Picard either boards a spaceship and makes a discovery that renders your work obsolete, or she doesn't. If she doesn't, she's, she's like, I've seen the result. Earth in his time finds itself an ecological freefall. The man they turn to is him. If only he's given the opportunity, he loses a daughter, but he becomes godfather to a world. And she asks if there are any more moral testers that she should know of. And he's like, he says that he can get them into the mission control. And she says that, she's like, first things first. There's a man who will stand in your way as he now stands in hers and soon's like Picard. And she's like, very good. So she wants him to deal with Picard. Rafi like curses Picard because they're reunited. She's like, where have you been? And then she cuts him off. She's like, you know, real said the transporter's jammed, so the interrupt core code is Borg. So they have a Borg problem. Girardi says that she can get Soong face-to-face with him in a matter of minutes. She can also provide him with appropriate means to dispose of him. Rafi says that Girardi's with Soong and that they know where she's headed. Seven says that there's only one reason Girardi would want to, like, you know, mess with the, the transporter. So Soong asks... What does she need from him? And she says that his records indicate that he has access to raw, the raw ingredients she needs. Once she has a ship, she can, or he can have his legacy. Picard says the Queen is coming for the ship. Seven says that she wants a 400-year jumpstart on assimilating the galaxy. Picard says that they have to defend the ship if they are to make their way home, so they'll use Talon's transporter. Guinan says good luck seven says you know she'll be a simulation ready if she's coming for the ship she's not coming alone so then we see Sung talking to some general dude so he's borrowing several soldiers so most of them are like ex-special forces of course so they're supposed to be like the best of the best one dude um, asks if someone's going to tell them what the heck is you know they do they want with them so Gerardi just walks up to him she's like don't worry it only stings for a moment so she puts her fingertip like on his face and there's like a glow green, whatever, green glow. <laughs> and she's like, Who's in the mood to add a little their biological and technological distinctiveness to our own? And then the, she puts her hand on the dude and his face kind of like flickers green whatever, is he's getting assimilated. That's the end of the episode. So it's I don't know how he feels about all this board queen stuff. I mean it, I guess it's a little different, you know, because I on the one hand, I feel like, you know, Borg is like the big baddie. It's like, holy crap, Star Trek, Next Generation, Borg, that's, oh, man. But here, obviously, it's it's tamed down a little bit. So that, that could be a good thing. You know, I feel like they were, like, getting used too much in the original Next Generation. Like, they kept popping up. It's like, okay, we get it. Everyone likes the Borg as villains because they're so evil. So this is different, but... It's almost just like, oh, man. And I don't know. I, I, I almost find a boar Queen a little annoying. So we'll see where this goes. And and the whole Picard and, and Guinan being arrested, it's like, was that really necessary? What what did that really do? And it's like, okay, so now you just told this dude all these secrets. Hopefully he's going to be cool with it. I guess they read him wisely and found out that, you know, he can be trusted or whatever. And then and I don't even know what Rios is doing with a doctor and a kid, why he told them everything. It's just... It's just almost getting to be too much. But other than that, I mean, it, it is interesting to see how, like, w- what's going to happen. You know, are, are they going to be able to get, set everything back right? Or is, are some things going to be messed up? So we'll see. And I think there's, I think it's 10 episodes in the season. So I think there's there's still two more coming. All right. And now Moon Knight, see, episode four. It's, there's, it's only the first season. So, okay, let let's pause. We're we're in the second half now. And I'm really 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 not sure how I feel about the show. I mean, I I love what Oscar Isaac's doing. I love the the complexity of everything. Sometimes it it, it feels like it's just being weird and confusing to make it weird and confusing because that's how it, it that the, that's what the the focus is. I know that's not the case. I know there are tons of easter eggs that i'm not seeing and you know sometimes it's days later i I might think about something or hear about something and or you know see something on reddit i mean there's so much stuff on reddit and uh i I think on the one hand yeah i'm trying to to keep my my love for the character separate from the enjoyment of of this version yes this is not by no means an accurate comic book portrayal. It's not it doesn't have to be. No, I mean, there's so many differences between MCU characters and and their comic book counterparts. That's fine. You accept that. As long as he's not like an alien from another planet, you know, it's it's like they haven't like drastically changed things. So the the little minor things, it makes it interesting, keeps it fresh. You know, if you have a pure 100% adaptation, while that could be cool and exciting, it could also be a little boring or a little um, less surprised, less excited because you, you know, everything that's going to happen. So it, you know, it's always, I I always enjoy, like if I read a book, like a novel and then watch the the movie adaptation, just to see like what's similar and what's different. And you see how something might relate to the original source. And, you know, it, it, you know, it builds your enjoyment and, you know, and enhances it. So with this, it's a little different and one of the things i've been thinking about you know strangely is there's like so much like merchandise coming out So on the one hand it's like i should be like super excited that all these like Moon Knight funko pops or whatever and every you know but part of it also <laughs> i'm looking at i'm still not really sure how i even feel about the new costume because it's it's like we've barely seen it is is how it feels and then now, you know, apparently Moon Knight can't even be summoned. You can't summon the suit anymore. So there's just like all all this strangeness and everything, but it's it's fine. And you know, I, I but don't you know, don't get me wrong. I am enjoying the show. It's just it's kind of weird and and different. And I, I think part of me, you know, as I I'm sitting, I'm totally like analyzing my thoughts now, which is weird that, you know, you would think, Hey, Tony, how about you like prepare what you're going to s- say before you start recording? But, but no, I don't work that way. That, that would be too easy, right? Too, that would make too much sense. But as I think about, I think part of me is a little bummed that there's only six episodes that they're, you know, Marvel, Disney, whoever is so adamant that this is a limited series so that that's kind of a bummer. That's kind of a letdown because, you know, I would love for this to continue and everything and, you know, more than, you know, six episodes is like nothing. So yeah, it's possible he could turn up elsewhere. Maybe he'd get his own movie. Maybe he would appear in something else or, you know, I, I don't know. Part of me is like hoping, you know, when this Werewolf by Night special on Disney Plus comes out that he would pop up in there, you know, it would be, make perfect sense. But anyways, yeah, I, I know Oscar Isaac's super busy. So that's the downfall of hiring him for this role is you know he's not going to be able to commit to it but you look at like other people they're busy too and they make it work so whatever you know i am enjoying the show but this the other strange thing with this episode is i'm trying to think about this so my what i've been doing and and hopefully this isn't boring you know here it's it's i'm like going on going on five minutes and just rambling but i'm just sharing my thoughts what what the way I I've been watching the first you know three episodes as I'll stay up till midnight I watch the episode just for one because I'm so excited to watch it and two you know I want to avoid any spoilers when I wake up the next day and head to work or whatever you know on social media and because there's certain outlets that of course they spoil everything it's like they'll put it in the headlines they'll screenshot something it's like man you are such a jerk that you know you're it's one thing to be excited about it but when you're looking for clicks or views that you've, you know, like spoiling something isn't news. You know, and, and people do that with, with comic books, like, Oh, you know, this character is going to get a new costume or this character is going to die, you know, the last page reveal and they write an article about it, but it's like, why don't you let people read that comic and, and find out why don't you let people watch the show? And it's one thing if you're unable to watch it or unable to read it or don't want to read it, but you're just, whatever. So I I watch <laughs> I watch the show at midnight and then I then I go to sleep and I wake up like uh, like five hours later which is not enough sleep and that that's my other problem and then usually what I'll do is Wednesday night like nine or ten or whatever I'll watch it a second time and in that way you know just just to kind of did I miss anything the first time and you know just try to pay a little more attention so I, I am prepared to talk about it when I record this week though. I stupidly I, I do not get enough sleep and you know there's there's different reasons or whatever for that and as I was watching it I even had coffee at like like 8 30 or something like that I was like okay because for me it seems like it feels like coffee. it takes a a little bit for it to kick in like I'll be like just tired or whatever and then it's like hours later I'm just like whoop, I'm like wide awake so I had coffee at eight thirty. It's like okay, because I'm gonna stay up, you know, midnight. You know, stay up to one, one ish, almost one to, to watch this. But as I'm watching this, and and maybe because I had the lights off, you know, it's late, and I got the volume kind of low, so I don't wake anyone up, and just just watching. And then it it's so weird because I was like, I can feel myself kind of tired, but then it's just like it's just like boom, I'm out, and then I like wake up. So when this happens. It's like I'm not really sure because unless I like pause and look at the time code or something like that, it's like I have no idea how much I've missed. And this has happened like when I spoiler. what sometimes when I I go to a movie in a theater, it used to be like before, you know, just getting too comfortable to see. So I don't recline to seats all the way back anymore, but because you know sometimes just get so comfortable, it's a little little chilly in there. You're just cozy, and so I I I miss some of the episode, and then like waking up, especially like at the end. I miss so much. <laughs> I mean not so much. So it's interesting the second time watching it, it's just like, oh wow, I missed this part in the tomb. Oh wow, I missed this part at you know in the, the sanitarium or whatever. So yeah, that, that made it that made it kind of interesting. And it it the the bad thing is it kind of didn't bother me because I would say like normally I'd be like, oh crap. I got to stop this. I got to rewind it. You know, maybe I should just stop and watch the whole thing, you know, the next day or whatever, but by falling asleep and then watching it, it's like, yeah, I'm going to have to watch it again. I'm, I'm spoiling things for myself and I don't want to spoil things. But I think part of me was like, because, you know, I do really like the show, but because it may not be exactly what I want. And I don't know what, ex- if, if what I want would be the best thing for me or for anyone, but I was just like, okay, whatever. I'm. I'll just watch this. And I saw the end. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> let's let's find out what's going on. So let's get into it. Uh, like eight minutes later, uh, the tomb. One of the like the that I forgot the dude's name. The the avatar the god avatar dude that seemed like he was kind of in charge during the that little trial thing. He's carrying the kanshu statue, the little statue, uh, to the shelf, and you see these other statues there too. So what makes me wonder and i haven't i haven't seen anyone comment about this or i haven't looked for any explanation but it's like does this mean there are other gods imprisoned because if that's kanshu wrapped up in there i don't know how many like egyptian gods there are i mean when they're in the temple there's these other people the avatars so we are aware that there's different gods i don't know if it's so much like the asgardian you know all you have all these different gods and there's, like i don't really know so that made me think that there must be others that are imprisoned there too. So it's like, what did they do? And I know that they've said that they're they're just observing that they're not like interacting with mankind or whatever. So were there other gods that were doing some stuff and then they got in trouble? So I don't know if that's going to be. I don't think that was explained in this episode, <laughs> and I don't know if that's something that's going to be touched on or not. And it's just weird that that Kanchu's locked up now. So then we see Layla; she's trying to get, you know. You know, gets Steven to wake up in a desert after, you know, Kanji was taken away and all this stuff. This truck starts uh, approaching, you know, Jeep, truck, whatever you want to call it, SUV, and starts shooting at them. So she kind of drags him to like the edge of doom. They roll down and then she just leaves him. It's, it's kind of dark, so you can't really see anything, but maybe he'll just be fine, like a lump in the sand or whatever. So she starts uh, running. Towards like their their SUV and she hides in the back, which seems like okay. That might not be the best place to hide because they're gonna find this SUV and of course they're gonna look see if there's any what's in there and everything. So the others are, are driving around. She she kind of like lays down whatever in the back, but then she you know as as they drive around her she gets up, she sees Steven's body and so you know does she think he's dead? You know she doesn't know what's going on. So she gets out, she lights a flare, and then they start shooting. And then she ducks behind it the, the, the SUV again, the truck. I don't know what you call it. So they drive around and get ready to shoot her, but she's not there because she s- smartly left the flare there. So they would see, you know, the, the light from it, and they would think that she's just just stuck there. Then she throws another one at the truck, and <laughs> she's got some luck because it kind of lands into this like crate of like ammo, whatever, and it just you know, blows up. And then Steven gets up and she's like like what so it's like it's weird like all of a sudden he's awake whatever so they're driving through the desert towards the location of amit's tomb because now that they have the coordinates you know they know where to go so she tells steven that they need mark and then you know his reflection in the the side view mirror he's like yeah you know mark's like yeah and steven's like no he's like we had a deal he's like you know he's done with conchu so he said he'd just disappear and Mark's, you know, talking to him. She can't hear him, obviously. But Mark's like, that deal didn't involve, you know, getting, you know, me and Layla kill, or you and Layla kill, whatever. And Layla's like, you made a deal that he disappeared from my life. And she's like, you didn't think that maybe I should have been made aware of that? And Steven's like, oh well, hadn't he disappeared from your life already? And then she kind of agrees. She's like, yeah, okay, whatever. So he says that uh, she she says something like the suit was his best feature and he doesn't even have that anymore so that that seems kind of wait so it's like did she only like mark because he had the suit it's like i don't know what what she really meant by that and mark's talking to steven and he's like you know he's like give me give me the the body he's like this is a suicide mission but steven's like no so they make it to like some mountains or whatever uh so they, they get they start going by foot they reach the tomb location but it looks like everyone must be inside already Cause there's like no one on the surface. You know, there's even like some camels there and Mark or Steven's like, hello. <laughs> so they, they have to find a way to beat them to Amit. But it's like, well, how long have they been in there? So they, they start looking for supplies and, and, you know, different tenses like that. And Mark starts talking to Steven in one, and he's like, you know, you look, you look scared. And Steven's like, Oh, I'm not. And Mark's like, well, you should be. He's like, without Kanchu, there's no more suit. There's no more healing. There's no more power. And you know, Mark's like, I've done this before, and Stephen's like, Well, then you know, so have I. You know, it's the same body. He's like, There should be muscle memory or something. And Mark's like, I don't think it works that way. And he's like, You know, just remember, you're not alone. And Stephen's like, Yeah, I, I know, I'm not. He's like, I have Layla. He's like, She's got my back. And Mark's like, Are you in love? Are you in love with my wife? And then you know, they, they bicker a little more, and, and Stephen's like, You know, don't worry, I got this. So Layla finds some supplies in another tent, and then the camera shows. I wasn't really sure what this is. It shows kind of like a bloody blade or some tool in the sand, like behind some crates. So I wasn't really sure what that was. So Steven's excited, you know, to to go into tomb he's like, you know, I've been waiting my whole life for this. So they're, they're standing close as they get ready to down, you know, like with like a harness rope or whatever to, to, to belay down or whatever. And then, She's like, oh, you even smell like him, which it's like, well, they're the same body, of course. So she kind of moves to kiss him. And then Steven blurts out, Mark is trying to protect you from Khonshu. And she's like, what? And he's like, that's why he's been pushing you away. He thinks Khonshu wants you for his avatar and he won't let that happen. And he's like, I'm sorry. You know, I just felt you should know that. And she's like, well, it wasn't his call to make. And she's like, I don't need his protection. She's like, what I need is honesty. And, you know, honesty seems to be more of a Stephen thing. So then he's like looking at and then he like kind of like awkwardly kisses her. It's like, it doesn't look like, I mean, whatever, I'm not a kissing expert, you know, necessarily. I'm not going to say I am, you know, I've, I've, I've done my fair share of kissing over the years, but it was just, it seemed a little weird. But then at first I wasn't like, wait, she, but then she's like, okay, she was all right with it. But then she kind of pulls down or pulls back and she's like, uh, I mean, she says she's going to go down first. And he kind of like watches her go down with a grin or whatever. And, and then it's just like smack, he punches himself in the face. So Layla's down at the bottom. She's, you know, there's like some little, some, some big statues down there. So she like writes something in the, in the on a statue in the sand. And then Stephen, he basically stumbles down with like a pretty hard landing. He's like, oh, you know, wish you hadn't seen that. or So, but then he's in awe over these giant statues. And he looks at her marking. He's like, did you do that? And she's like, yeah, it's for my father. You know, he would have loved it down there. So they they go deeper and there's a maze and she's he's Stephen's like yeah amazing <laughs> makes a joke with her, but then at one point the point she's like there's six paths and you know Layla, Layla notices bullet casings and so she's like you know what would they be shooting at? Stephen starts drawing like on top of this like a flat surface this like table pedestal stone whatever and then you know, she's like oh it's the eye of Horus and he he's like yeah the royal symbol of protection in the afterlife. So Layla marvels at the resources that it would have been needed to build all this. And and she's like, you know, Amit's final avatar was a pharaoh. And then she's like, you know, does does he think this is a map? And he says, yeah, the eye of Horus is also the eye of the mind. Yeah. He's like representing the six senses, six points. So you got the eyebrow. So he's like going over it. That denotes thoughts pupil sight obviously the point here he points when he's like uh hearing and then he's like smell touch and then the long line that you know that goes into a spiral is the tongue so Layla's like the avatar would be ahmet's voice in this other chamber they see like drawings like you know hieroglyphics or whatever on the wall and Layla says they're heka priests h-e-k-a and they're they're priests entombed to protect the pharaoh so stephen's like what the Hexaheca. <laughs> and then she's like, you know, they're sorcerers of their time. So they've been down there for a century. Stephen starts uh, kind of gagging and and asks if there's like fresh blood on a, sarco- a sarcophagus and there's like with chunks of meaty bits. So they they look and Steven's like, wait a minute. He's like, he's like, I'm I'm just saying what I see and I see lots of bones and blood going that way. So there's like some like blood streaked on the floor. He's like, so I'm just thinking like, what if there's maybe another... And then he sees it opening up higher. So he climbs up, he finds more stuff. It looks like, like a freshly filled, uh, canonic jar with like snake skins and self-regeneration. So I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Like what all this stuff is. So he finds a way that they could go, but there's just like some gunshot in the distance. So he's like, you know, we should probably hide. They hear a noise. And then this dude's body is, is placed like on a, uh, the big pedestal. It's like, I, actually I can't remember if it was like sarcophagus or something like that, but they place a like a, a body there where and Layla's just like ducked around a corner. So it's like this altar or something like that. So the person has a blade and starts to cut the victim. you know we don't see who's doing this and it's like maybe slicing out organs because it just like reaches and like pulls something out. So Layla tries like scooting away, but it's like, wait, is there more than one or is it the same one? And it kind of looks like he's like is their skin like bluish or something and is it just shadows of the light? So Stephen um, gets seen and starts, you know, that it, it starts climbing towards him, like climbing up to Adam. So Layla throws something to distract it, and then Stephen tells Layla to run, and he'll find her. So Layla works her way over by this bridge that has like this really deep pit. She throws a flare down there, and it just—it seems like it's like super, super deep. So then she gets grabbed and like pulled back and she's struggling with like this old creature, whatever. And she shoves like a flare and it's, it's eye socket and it shrinks and they like, like fall over into the pit. So it's like, Oh crap, she's gone. But then there's like a thud, but she managed to like grab onto the ledge or something, of course. And you know, she pulls herself back up across the way. Like she sees Harrow standing like in this doorway. So it's like, what, what is he doing now? And like, why, where is this all shooting? So to the shooting, they must be shooting the the Heka priest, I'm assuming, right? So Stephen enters a, this tomb. He says, like, oh, it's a tomb fit for a pharaoh. Mark starts talking to him the a reflection of some water. And he mentions that he kissed Layla, but he also told her the truth, why he was, you know, pushing her away. So he's like, he's like, okay, so that's that kind of cool. Stephen's distracted by all the relics. Then he sees something that can't be right. There's... Uh, macedonian writing on the wall or i think that's what he said so he thinks he's looking at the long lost tomb of alexander the great and he because he apparently called himself an egyptian or something i don't know i don't know my alexander the great history harrow starts talking to layla from across the way he says that she handled that beautifully and she's like why do men like you feel it necessary to be so condescending and, you know, there's more like gunshot in the distance. Harrow starts rambling on. He's like, you know, Egyptian gods walk among them. He mentions Ammit's scales, that they achieved their judgment by revealing to him moments of sin and pain. So he mentions the agony and all this stuff. And he says, you know, Mark still hasn't told her the truth. And she's, says for, she's like, well, go ahead. And Harrow says that, you know, he read his scales and, you know, the scales do not lie. Mark is, uh, he's pushing the top of the sarcophagus open. So this is supposedly Alexander the Great's tomb. There's like a mummy with a scarab and some other stuff in there. So he says that Alexander was the voice of Amit. So he apologizes to Mr. Great and rips off the, the wrapping over the face. And he like pries open the jaw and he starts like reaching in with like disgust. And Mark's like, you know, just keep keep reaching then cuts to Harrow, Harrow tells Layla that her father was murdered by mercenaries and you know, no one knows who they were, do they? And she's like, are you saying that Mark was one of them? And you know he's like, you said it, what do you think? So Mark remembers everything that happened that day, everyone who died, but one man stands out, a man with a, a fuchsia scarf. So um, like some scarab details, or whatever, handmade, made by his daughter perhaps. And she's just looking at him and she's like, are you done? And he's like, I do hope you find closure. So she walks off and he yells at her. He's like, wake up. And you know, some of his men come up from behind and said they found another way. Harold's trying to say that Mark was there when her father was killed. So did he do it? We, we don't know yet. Stephen is re- still reaching in and he pulls out this little statue. So I don't know if it's a statue of Amit. Then Layla slowly walks in, he holds it up. He's like, Layla, we won. And she just walks without talking and, she, and she's like, can he hear me? And Steven jokes, uh, he's like, oh, Alexander, you can't hear you, whatever. But, you know, she's obviously talking about Mark. She's like, what happened to my father? And she's like, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to Mark. So Mark kind of, like, flickers in, and he's he says that, he's like, we have to go. And she tries stopping him, like, asking what happened. He's like, we have to leave right now. He's like, I'll explain everything, I swear. And she's like, did you kill Abdullah El Foley?" So as her father. And Mark's like, of course not. Of course I didn't. She pauses and says, but you were there. And he's like, I I was there. Yeah, I was there. And she's like, how did he die? So Mark kind of hesitates. He's like, my partner got greedy and he ex- executed everyone at the dig site. I tried to save your father, but I couldn't save him. And I, she's like, no, but you brought a killer right out to him, right? And then she like kind of shoves him. And he just nods. He's like, yeah. He's like, he shot me too. He's like, I was supposed to die that night, but I didn't die that night. And I should have, you know, I, I tried to tell you since we, you know, we first met. And then so she like last, she's like, that's the reason we met. You just had a guilty conscience. And then he's like, they're here. So he, he tells her to find another way out while he holds him off. He grabs like this golden ax, ax or something like that from, from Alexander's sarcophagus, Harold, like nine or 10 armed dudes come in and he's like, just you. He's like, I remember the first morning I woke up knowing that Kanji was gone. The quiet was liberating. You're a free man. And of course, with that freedom comes choice. And right now, you have a very important decision to make. He, asks, you know, he says, okay, as a, a dude with a rifle, comes closer. And then he grabs Mark, grabs the, the rifle, hacks at him, hacks at another dude to his right, throws an axe at a third, and then Harold pulls out a gun, shoots Mark in the chest. So Layla's like kind of hiding and she like silently like screams and Mark like stumbles back slowly. Harrow raises a gun and shoots him a second time. And then Mark falls back like in slow motion because there's like water like around the sarcophagus. And then Harrow whispers, I can't save anyone who won't save themselves. So Mark it, at first the water is kind of like, it's not that deep. You know, he's just kind of sitting there, but, th- but then it's like, wait, Is this not real? Because then he starts sinking into the water and then he starts plunging into darkness. So now this, I think, you know, this isn't obviously really happening. This is where things start getting freaky. There's this kind of like white light that kind of turns into like a flashlight or something, you know, from some other dude. So then there's this um, kid is with like some white dude with long hair and they're in the jungle and the, the, the kid, he's not really a kid, but he's just, like, younger. So he goes to rest, and he hits this lever. This hanging skeleton plops down, and, like, the kid kind of screams. The dude, he's like, oh, it's all right. And he says, this is what happens to those who come to, who choose the path of greed. And he mentions the statue, statue of Coalixecue, or something like that, lunar god of the Aztecs. And the kid's like, you're Dr. Stephen Grant. And the dude turns around, maybe so, but... You you've got pluck. Now let's see what we can find on our friend here. And then then the the shot kind of turns into like a movie being watched on a TV. There's this big white room, and there's like dude with like long hair. He's calling out bingo numbers. He's like B22. And there's people of different ages, races, genders. They're all like kind of sitting around. Some are like eating jello. There's dude with like his cupcake cart comes up. Um admire some ladies' drawing. I think the lady I think it might have been donna from the the gift from the museum i think she was in this scene but like she's drawing like i, I can't remember if like it was like a bird so like maybe it was it was Kanchu. so mark is uh we finally see him he's like in a wheelchair this lady comes up to him says that she you know she changed the movie and um the, the it's it's layla she says that, you know, it's been five times this week. You know, it's a lot, right? Mark tries talking, but he can only moan. And then she looks at his bingo card. She's like, you won. She's like, we won. So she holds it up and she says that she won and she whispers. She's like, I'll share it with you this time, I swear. So Mark kind of looks at his reflection window and he whispers, Steven? And then he stands up and says it again, but then he falls on his face. And he drops. He there's like a, he had a Moon Knight action figure. So his right leg is strapped to the chair. So kind of like when his foot was strapped to the, to the bed when he would go to sleep. So then this nurse dude lifts him back up into the chair, and you know he stares at the action figure on the floor. You know Mark Mark or Stephen Mark whatever. Then you hear Arthur Arthur saying, "I know that you're having a great deal of difficulty being able to differentiate between what's real and what's in your head." I hope you don't mind, but I took the liberty of borrowing the film you brought, Tomb Buster. So you see it like on on videotape. Arthur continues like, you know, it was fun to see that my old VHS player still worked. He's like, how many times would you say you've seen that movie? Approximately. And he's like, you know, I like the villain. So you, you can start to see that it's Harrow as a doctor. He's, you know, he's wearing like a sweater vest and glasses. His hair, I think he had shorter hair too. And, you know, he says that he doesn't think too many people have seen that movie based on a production value mark tries talking but arthur says that you know he's sedated because of his own behavior he's like oh it'll wear off soon and he tells mark that you know they don't live in a material world they live in a psychic world oh and the other thing is this shot this office that you you see so, in the uh, second, second episode, was that the suit-up episode? So, when when they're running away, when Steven and, and Layla are in his man cave, and he's like, you know, I'm going to die and, and whatever. And, you know, before he gets, like, knocked out the window by the, the, the jackal thing, that room is the same as, as this as his office here, except the totally different lighting. But you can see kind of like, I think there's kind of like a fireplace and just like the shutters are like out by the windows and just the way to, the glass the frame. The so it's, it's like the same thing. So it's like that was really cool. And these are like, so that's what I was saying. There's like all these little things, which I'm sure I'm missing like so much, but whatever. So he says that they're only able to make indirect inferences about the nature of reality he talks about like a pen and perspective mark looks around and he sees you know there's harrow has like a white cane you can also see like he's wearing his wicker sandals mark starts saying that it reminds him of and harrow asks he's like what your past of steven and mark slowly asks he's like you know steven harrow says of course but you know i want to talk to mark right now he talks about their sessions and about him getting triggered, whatever. Mark looks at a, a statue and there's, you know, there's a picture like on a wall of the countryside town from like the first episode. He's like, I can't help you if you don't help yourself, which is what he said, you know, right before he sank into the water. Mark looks at him, he's like, You shot me. You shot me. And he tries getting up out of the like the regular cherries in, but then he falls to the floor because he's sedated, whatever. Harold keeps um, rambling on about what he's feeling you know about being healed and mark uh smash he smashes like glass on, on the door with his elbow and he like you know he goes to leave there's more egyptian artifacts are appearing in the office and he he looks and there's like two orderlies grab him but he bites one um like the hand of one he elbows the other he runs through the hall ducks in this random room and he sees like a sarcophagus in there and someone's yelling in there to to get let out so it's like at first, I'm like, is that Steven? But then uh, so, so Steven's there. So he comes out, they hug each other. So then Steven's like, How's this possible? So we have literally we have two Oscar Isaacs on screen. We have Steven and Mark there. And then in this other room, there's like another sarcophagus is kind of kind of like shaking. Mark sees it, but they, they keep walking. So obviously, right? This is like all ever, ever anyone talks about on Reddit. Is like that's gotta be uh, Jake, because we still we know there's another persona and in this one, it seems like Jake is the violent one, but they don't let him out. They just, you know, Mark just sees it and they just keep walking. So then something big enters. <laughs> oh, it goes through the door. It's like a hippo and kind of like Egyptian fancy guard. And then like a woman's voice, she's like, hi. And then Mark and Steven look at her and they both scream. And that's the end of the episode. So that's, that's where it ends. So it's kind of weird that they would both scream I mean, they they talk. They both see Khonshu, a, a dude with like a floating bird skull, but there's a a, a talking fancy dressed hippo, and they freak out. So, one thing I did look up. So apparently, maybe the hippo is Ta Tauret. So Tauret is supposedly the Egyptian goddess of childbirth and fertility. That's what I read online. And I don't know if that's true. I don't like I said. I don't know much about Egyptian gods, so it's it's kind of like that. This must mean that there's like all these Egyptian gods that just didn't do it. That haven't been doing anything. Kind of like the Eternals. So like when you know Thanos came and threatened everyone that they're just like, well, that's humanity's problem. I have no idea what a goddess of fertility and childbirth has to do is with the the birth of you know after they're killed and coming back. I really have no idea. No idea what's going on. and <laughs> um, Yeah, so, so there you go. And if you've read like Jeff Lemire's run, you know that Mark at some point, one point, you know, he was like in a hospital seeing all this stuff and led to believe that his whole life was, was a lie and everything. And so with that, you know, it wasn't quite, obviously it wasn't the case. But here it's, it's almost like they're trying to make us think that the first four episodes didn't really happen. That you know maybe this is all in in Mark's mind or Steven's mind and we'll, we'll have to see. So it was interesting, like I said, and now it's just like okay, now we gotta wait till Wednesday. But then uh, what makes that what makes it worse? There's only two more episodes, and it's like we barely had Moon Knight. <laughs> so this is why we need a season two. That uh, I don't know where this is gonna go, but um, it, it's I mean it's a really good show it's just my love for moon knight is is kind of hmm but i I'm, I'm deeply fascinated with what they're going at and you know it's brilliant production you know just the way everything it's they're doing it's such a great job but i'm just yeah. So I, I think definitely what, what I'm gonna have to do is like after all the episodes are, I'm gonna have to watch them all over again, just to kind of take it all in. You know, so am I unfairly judging, you know, episode four because I haven't seen the, the episode six yet? And maybe, but I mean I did like it, but I'm just like, what's going on? So we'll have to wait till next week. Okay, then let's talk uh Russian doll season two. Um, there's, so there were seven episodes. I didn't think I was going to be able to watch it all. And cause I was like, I was like, oh, you know, I kind of want to watch it so I can talk about it. But I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to watch it. So it came out on Wednesday. And so that helped. And I think I mentioned before, the you know, 30 minute episodes help. It, it just, it makes things go a lot faster. Not that I would want like Moon Knight to be 30 minutes or, you know, anything else, but there's something about the 30 minute shows that just, it, they just work well you know the way it just makes things go faster you know there, there there's no time to just waste and you know as filler i really like the 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 fir- the, the sh- i like the first season and um i'm i'm still i haven't really processed the second season like how i feel about it so the the show stars natasha Leone, who you you know you've you've probably seen her and, and things like that but the, what the the first season was and it it, it kind of was like like a Groundhog Day, I guess. You know, she it was her I think her thirty sixth birthday, and you know she lives in New York, and she's you know a, one of her friends is throwing a party for her, and she keeps dying. Like at one point, I think she like falls down the stairs and breaks her neck, and then each time she keeps like coming to in the bathroom at this party. And then she like walks out, and her, you know, it's like the, the friends say the same thing. Another time she goes outside, she gets hit by a cab. So it's like all this stuff. She's so she's like stuck in this loop, and she keeps reliving reliving the the same day. And you know, she can kind of avoid things, but then eventually, you know, she dies, and then she has to start over, type of thing. So it it, it kind of gets uh, uh not not necessarily metaphysical or anything, but you know, it's just this whole idea where you know she's stuck in this endless loop alone. So it's like you know. you know how she's going to do this so not quite like palm springs you know palm springs had some similar ideas as well but that i think took it a lot further because supposedly he was doing this for like 40 years or something in palm springs but what uh the character ends up discovering in like the the first season and and i talked about this on a on a previous podcast like the first season i I forget if it's like episode 76 or um, um actually it, it was uh, 76 uh, I, I yeah it stuck in my head cuz i looked it up earlier nadia what she ends up discovering is that she's not the only one doing this you know going in this loop and she finds this other dude is like kind of same thing he's going through some other things so is like his girlfriend broke up with him or i i'm pretty sure and he's just, like, not really in a good place. And so really what it, what it came down to, wh- why, I, I think the whole idea of the first season, if I remember correctly, was that, you, you know, there's this idea that, like, when you die, you die alone. That, you know, you're, you're going through this life really on your own and everything like that. But then what really happened is, like, they found each other, these two random people, and, you know, just kind of came together. And this, this was their way to escape this loop was by doing it together. So I had this like kind of like weird ending, and you know, and but then it's like, wait, what, what, what happens next, and everything. So now in season two, it's a, it's I guess like four years later, because I, I think they said it was like her fortieth birthday coming up, and things seem to be okay. You know, there Nadia and, and Alan, you know, they're both in different places, and they're both seem to be doing okay, but. Th- Things get mixed up because then what Nadia discovers, she gets on a on a subway, and the subway she ends up like time traveling in the subway. So instead of living the same day over and over again, now she's time traveling. So I'm not sure if this is a spoiler at all uh, for the first episode. I think it's 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 out there. I don't know if it's I don't even know what, what it was in the trailer because I had no idea what was going on with with this season, but she. Uh, so she, you know, she gets off the, off the, the subway, and I think she finds like a a matchbook in her her jacket, and you know it's for the, this. There's like a name to meet some guy Chaz or something like that. So she goes there, and, and then she goes to this bar. She, you know, she talks to some dude, and this other guy comes out like from the back. You know, he's getting yelled at by something. Something was going down, and he like knows her, and, and he's just it's like, "Who's this guy?" And whatever, and. So she ends up leaving with them because she's she's just very like okay whatever she goes with the flow and you know it doesn't matter, and she ends up at one point, uh, like she looks at a reflection in a bathroom mirror because they're like even like making out. It's like you don't even know this dude and you're just going you know whatever, and he's kind of skeezy looking whatever, but she looks in a mirror and it's not her reflection. So cue the oh boy, um, quantum leap style. She's in her mom's body, so she went back. I think it was like 1982 or something like that. So then it gets to be like that because you know her mom. Her mom seemed to be like kind of a flake. You know, wasn't the best mom, but you know she did her best. You single mom or whatever. So you know, I don't think she's necessarily like a bad mom or anything like that. But then it it comes down to the different things because like her there's stuff with like the history where like when her their parents like left her mom left or grandparents left, you know, they had all, they put all their money into the, in the Kruger but then they lost them. And there's only one. And, and Nadia wears it like around her, her neck, like as a, as a necklace. So then it gets the idea. It's like, well, what if we can save the, the lost family fortune that could change everything. And, you know, there's the way things went. She ends up getting, going in different training and she goes in like her grandmother's body, like, and she's like in, in a, was, was she? I don't think she was in Berlin. Or maybe, or whatever. But it, it's, she's just, just starts going different places, trying to find out like where the fortune was, this and that, or whatever. And at one point, she tells Alan about this. And he's just like, oh. So he gets the idea, and he just goes in a train, too. He goes in his grandmother's body. She, his grandmother's in Berlin. I think it was 1962. I could be wrong. And then he's like really interested, because his, his grandmother meets this you know she's in this relationship with this guy and he's gonna try to to dig under like the the berlin wall to escape and she knows that he's not gonna make it or something like that so he he wants to try to stop him so there's this all this stuff she goes back oh and oh the the other thing about nadia and now i'm just like all over the place i don't know if this is making sense but it's not she's not just in her mom's body she's in her mom's pregnant body so this is like, this is before, you know, she's, she's about to give birth to herself or her mom's about to give birth to her. So she's in her mom's body with herself in there and spoiler at one point, you know, she does start going into labor and, and it's, it just, it gets kind of trippy. So it's like, it's weird because there is like, they're okay. Other spoiler, the baby's born and she goes to the present with the baby. She's with herself, so it's like, wait, how can you do that? You can't pull yourself out of the timeline or whatever and go into the present because then you can't be in the present. You're it's like breaking all the rules of time, and there's like other stuff going on in the present. Or you know, there, there's like a, f- a friend of hers is like kind of sick. There's something going on, and there's different. Ver- so it's like things start getting a little trippy and weird, and there's. Uh, I I don't. Yeah, I'm not really sure how how you felt about it. I mean, it it was an interesting like looking back at your life and like can you try to fix things? You know, can she try to find you know save the fortune to make try to make you know life better for her family and or is destiny always going to make things happen the same way? And so it was. It was a. It's definitely interesting and a little weird but not like freaky weird you know so even though there's like time breaking stuff it's not like like all of a sudden you know the the world starts disappearing or shattering or reality warping or anything like that so it was just a really weird look at at things and yeah and then yeah so i i don't think i don't know if i can say i liked it as much as the first season Cause I, I just, I don't know, there, there's something about it and I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, I was curious to see, you know, what was going to happen. That's why I wanted to watch it. But, um, yeah. So, so that was, uh, that was a rushing doubt. I, I, I mean, that's all I really have to say about it. So I guess that that's all I will say about it. But I mean, I do recommend watching the first season, checking it out to see how it is and then, you know, judge for yourself, you know, um, are, do you care about this character and, and or the, the characters to see like where things are going to go from the, from there. So that, that was it. Uh, and, but I, I am glad that I was able to watch it because I feel like if I didn't watch it all now, it would just like, get buried in like my queue. And then like, maybe I would forget about it or anything like that or something like that. So I'm glad I was able to watch it. And then I just kind of had it on, you know, I'm doing some drawing on the iPad and just, you know, had it playing. And because The Flash wasn't on this week and Superman and Lois, I was able to watch. And because, like, you know, Severance isn't on and Servant, so I was able to just watch it. So it was kind of (laughs) nice. I hate to say it. It was kind of nice to be able to just watch a show kind of for fun, even though I I do want to talk about it as well because I I feel it's worth talking about. So check it out for yourself and judge for your, you know, know, see what you think. Okay, um, The Flight Attendant, I didn't think I was going to I said as I was like yeah I'm not going to watch it. But it was actually Friday night, you know, so two episodes dropped on Thursday. So they dropped, you know, episode 201, 202. And I was just like, yeah, I I'm just not really in the mood to watch it. You know, I I enjoyed the book. I listened to the audiobook. The first season was okay. I just felt like it was just a little too much cuz you know, Kaylee Kuko, you know, she's fine and all. But just like the the character, so it's not I you know I don't think it's so much about, uh, uh, like a reflection on Kaylee Kukoo, but just a character you know. So she was basically an alcoholic. She drank a lot. She partied a lot. She hooked up with whoever you know. Um, you know, she was a flight attendant. She'd go to different places. She was just like party and everything, and and it wasn't the most likable character. So w- with that, and then she gets involved. You know, she, basically the, the story of season one she wakes up from a night partying next to a dead dude so this dude she met on a plane in first class she has a drink with him and you know all this dinner and all this stuff and and then and he's dead and he was murdered did she do it did someone do it what's going on so that's like the whole mystery of season one i think my my big problem and maybe it's supposed to be the charm of the show where I don't want to say you know she's she's dumb or anything, but you know she's just she's kind of bumbling in a way. You know she her her life is a mess, and you know she would probably be the first one to admit that. But you know she she drinks a lot. She does her priorities aren't straight. She she messes up, and she gets mixed into this big like sort of s not really espionage, but this big sort of caper. Like you know why was this this guy was at? Obviously he was killed. She didn't do it, but he was killed for some reason. Who who was involved in who's after her and what's going on. And, and it's like, can she solve the mystery t- is what it comes down to. And I feel like there's no way she could solve the mystery with based what, what she has, whatever. Then it, it kind of ends spoiler where the CIA was kind of involved at one point, And they're like, you know, you did a good job helping us with all this. So we're going to make you a civilian asset for us. And I'm like, really? So here's this person who like drinks all the time and, because of that drinking, ended up next to a dead body and almost got killed, and uh, almost got others killed, and everything. So she, uh, she, yeah. So, anyways, I don't remember if they said in the first season or not that she was gonna give up drinking. Cut to now. <laughs> it was a Friday night, as I as I mentioned, and I got done the the awesome art picks for the week, and I, you know, I'm like. I don't really have anything to watch because, you know, I would, was usually watching severance on Fridays, sometimes Saturdays, you know, depending on, on when I could get things done. Or sometimes I would just like watch actually a lot of times I, I don't really watch anything on Fridays. Cause I, I end up doing art picks. Like it's like almost like midnight. And then I was just like, okay, I just need to unwind or whatever. So I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the flight attendant. I know I said that I wasn't going to cover it. And I don't know if I'm going to, I don't, I don't think I'm going to necessarily cover the rest of the season it's just, it it's almost like it's a little too absurd, and yeah, any of these shows I talk about are absurd, right? It's it's a total stretch of you know, of disbelief, suspension of disbelief or whatever. So I just feel like there's just like too much, and it just I, I don't know, I don't know if the, the show is kind of like catering to Kaylee Kuko's ego, but it's just like kind of like elevating this character. I, I don't know, there's something about it that's just kind of that kind of, doesn't put a bad taste in my mouth, but and I don't know if it necessarily rubs me the wrong way. But there's something about it that just is it, kind of like not necessarily a turn off. I I, I really just can't place my finger on there. Where I I think because this character, and and yeah, she's trying to redeem herself, but maybe I'm looking at it where I'm not really seeing the redeeming qualities. So, because you know, we see this. I think it's like a year later. You know, she talks about that. You know, she's trying to clean up her her life. She moved to L.A. You know, from New York, and she's going to AA classes. You know, she or to meetings. At one point, I think she's like she's three days from her year anniversary or four. I forget how many days it was. So she's still going through all this stuff, and and, and she's still doing and like jobs for the CIA, which I think that's the the main thing that I feel like she is so unskilled with stuff and when you see her you know they show little glimpses of her like following someone you know trying to keep tabs of something to report back trying to take pictures it's like she's like so makes it obvious like trying to hide behind a you know a, a pillar or you know a, a couch or whatever and it's just like it is be so obvious like how can you do this without anyone catching you and and i think for that again suspension of disbelief or whatever so she's a. Uh, is she in berlin like why is everything in berlin (laughs) Why do i keep going back to berlin i'm I'm not going i don't have no plans to go to berlin but she is supposed to observe this dude just like at the bar around her and she's not supposed to engage she's not supposed to do anything because she's a civilian you know she's not trained she doesn't you know she's not supposed to get involved with that but she that's what ends up happening it, there's been a couple of cases where she's like gotten too involved and you know things get a little little sketchy or whatever so she she goes to the bar and or she goes to the hotel and on you know like on her flight her um her like nemesis you know uh, coworker is there she doesn't like her because her drinking and just messing everything up whatever and uh, the other thing is happening is her her best friend her lawyer friend in new york is coming out to visit you know there's that but so on this flight because it did when she meets the the dude her, her cia contact her handler whatever you want to call him she meets him in like in a parking garage and you know he's explaining he gives her a picture of the dude he's like this is the guy you're supposed to watch and he's like memorize a face don't carry that the picture around you keep doing that you know because you can't, like, what if someone finds it or you drop? It's like, why do you have a picture of me? You know, whatever. And and, and she's, like, not even, like, fully listening or whatever. He's like, wait, are you, did you hear what I just said? You're not looking. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I got it and everything. And she, like, looks at the pictures. Like, but, of course, later, she's got the picture with her and she sticks it in a book, you know, that, that she has. So, she she gets to wherever they're at. She's at the hotel. She catches a, a glimpse of the guy. And he, he goes into the bar. So, she's like, oh, boy. Because... She shouldn't be going in the bar. So she goes there, kind of sits next to the guy, just orders like a a soda water. They end up talking a little bit. And the guy says that, you know, he's just having a a Coke. You know, he's not drinking either. So they talk a little bit. And then he's like, all right. and He's like, I'm going to go do some sightseeing, you know, before my meetings or whatever. So he just like leaves. So, of course, she follows him. She's not supposed to do that because, again, she's a civilian. She's just supposed to observe him around the hotel totally follows him and she's wearing this like red coat like red overcoat which would be so obvious but she's just starts following him around and like at one point he gets in a cab she gets in the cab behind him and just following he goes to like this one place um and she's just like walking behind him like one point you know he like stops look at his phone and she just kind of stops and stand there is like trying not to be seen through all the, the people walking he goes to this like structure place, climbs up like these stairs and she's following behind him. He goes to like a rooftop there's like this big like orb at the top. There's like, you know, other people there. It's like some sightseeing place or something like that. And she's just like, you know, there's not a whole lot of places for her to hide, but she's managing. So he goes to this one thing, he like kind of opens this little like box thing or whatever. He pulls out this envelope. And and then he then he goes to leave and again still she manages to follow him all the way but uh, well, at one point i don't remember when this this uh, i don't know if it's this part where she's trying to follow him back at the hotel this was either before she went to the bar or right now where she's i think she i think it's right now she's trying to follow him and then this she kind of runs into a, like this couple they bump into each other because she wasn't really watching and then um, she's like, oh, sorry, that was my fault. I wasn't looking. And then the, the guy's like, oh, you were on our flight. You're the flight attendant. Oh, you, you know, you know, people don't really say things. And i, was, I started start talking. But then the woman is doing something with her phone. Is like like scanning. is like trying to clone her phone or something from her purse. She's doing something. So I don't know. If it has anything, if it's just random, like she's trying to steal her her phone information to try to get like credit card information, I don't know if, if they know that she's a CIA asset or I have no idea what's going on. So this is probably something that we'll find out throughout the season. And so she, or maybe they're at another hotel because then she so she finds out the dude goes into the, like she sees him get into the elevator and he goes to like whatever floor and I wait I think so what she does and she goes across the street to another hotel and she you know she because she's the guy was like on the third floor she actually makes up a story to the the the, the desk dude and saying that you know I I think like the guy propositioned her and she hesitated but now she kind of changes her mind or something like that and she's like, I know he's on the third floor, but I forgot what it was. So the the, the dude at the, at the top, he's like, okay, yeah. He's like, he, he does seem to have a type. He's like, he's in room 317 or something like that. And she's like, he has a type? What? So she goes across the street. This is other, she's said that she's thinking about getting a room and you know, she'd like to look at like a corner room or something. And somehow she w- works. I don't know if she actually pays for the room because CIA could reimburse her, right? So she goes there, she looks out the window and she sees the dude in his room and he's just like wearing like, you know, boxer shorts or something. And, and there's a woman in there too. So then they start going at it in bed and, and because she's like a floor above, I think. So you kind of can't, you know, parts of like their, their faces, you you can't, you don't see the woman's face. But as she's like on top of the dude, you know, you can see she has a tattoo on the back of her neck and it's the same butterfly tattoo that she has and she has blonde hair so she's then she's like who is this woman she can't see her face and as she's like watching this whatever the floor above this dude there's like some other people looks like they're like listening in on something cuz she kind of this one guy kind of sees her just like he has like I don't know if you can see at this moment but he it's like he has a glass eye because he like sees that she's looking so she ducks behind the curtains they close their curtains because I don't know if they're listening in on this whatever and then she ends up like seeing him later at the airport like when she gets off her flight and you know oh so when she goes back to her room <laughs> I'm I apologize she goes to her room her key doesn't work but there's you know there's a housekeeping in the hallway so she manages to convince him to open the door she goes in there. you know her her, her flight attendant outfit's still laid out and you know, her stuff but then her bag is missing so she goes to the front desk she's like my bag is gone and whatever and this isn't my outfit they're like you checked out already and they're like she's like no I didn't I'm right here they're like you checked out wearing a uniform and she's like that wasn't me What? this isn't my you know, what. so she goes back home her, her, her friend and friend's boyfriend are there or whatever she Gets called to the the FBI off or CIA office and they, they talk and oh I totally forgot so she follows a guy later they they leave the room after she's watching them and she's trying to follow him and he goes like get in a car and then the car blows up and she gets like thrown back a bit and as she's kind of dazed and everything you see a blonde woman like walking by the car so. Something happened. They're they're saying that there was a gas line, whatever that blew up, a gas main or something. You know, she has to explain this to the CIA, and you know, then she tells like this one lady that you know she's reporting to that you know she's got pictures of this lady that you know she has the same tattoo as her, and and the lady's like, well, you know, I'm sure a lot of women you know have the same tattoo, you know, from from she kind of says like you know mistakes they made in the twenty in her in their twenties or. They don't really buy like what what you know what's going on and or like this dude was supposedly a CIA asset himself. She goes back to her place, her suitcase arrives, you know, because they they found it at at the airport or on another somehow or like that. But then she's like looking at it and, and she's telling her friend and her friend's boyfriend she's like because she ties like a ribbon to the handle, but she's like that's not where I, I had it tied. It was like on a different handle, and and they're like well maybe you moved it. She's like no I didn't do that. And then she like opens up something she's and her uniforms there. she's like this is she's like she like drops it she's like that's not my my uniform and they're like uh it looks like it she's like no because whatever and then underneath it they're like well what else is in there and there's like a bloody blonde wig in there too so it's like okay what does all this mean what's going on what wacky mess is she getting pulled into now and this is the thing, because, you know, if there wasn't a big, wacky shenanigan, you know, mess to deal with, there wouldn't be a, a show. That's where I'm looking. I'm like, I'm kind of rolling my eyes. It's like, okay, here we go again. Somehow she's falling into this, whatever, something happening. I don't know. You know, it, it does leave it hanging. And, you know, the second episode is out. I didn't watch it, obviously, because, you know, by at that point I was like, I'm just, I got to get some sleep. I, I just I just don't know. I I feel like it's just too much of a stretch, and the, I just I just feel like it's just it's too too forced, like forced wackiness, bumbling, and and you know I I get that that's the angle, that's the point of it. That you know she's not like a a, a super action you know heroine whatever you know take on the world where she's just a regular person and she has faults that makes her more human, more credible, I guess, but. It's almost like it's too much. Oh, and she's starting to see herself. She's starting to talk to herself again. That was something that happened in the first season where she was constantly talking, to, or it was like the dead body would, would talk to her. So now she's talking to, like, party her. I don't even remember her name. Case? Case? Cassie? I don't know. But, like, she's... It's like the party version of her in, like, this low-cut top, you know, party dress or whatever, and... I don't know. I'm sure I'll, I, I'm gonna... I may watch the second episode before next week i mean it depends on what else is on or i might watch uh spider-man no way home or far from home no way home i can never remember the spider-man names i don't know what i'm gonna watch but yeah so that's the first first episode so you let me know if, you, if you've watched a second and if you're enjoying it and now it is time for the movie feature the unbearable weight of massive talent I have to say, part of me, I love that title, but part of me is like, that's not necessarily the best title for a movie because <laughs> it is so long and it's so vague, but I think that's part of the point. It's like, this is really weird. It kind of reminds you a little bit of Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's like, that's such a long title. It's just like weird. And as you know, the uh, previous podcast I had, the Invincibly Supermassive Podcast of Stuff, Random Podcast of Stuff, Invincibly Supermassive random podcast and stuff. So I, with that, see, I don't know if it's the same kind of thinking. I intentionally wanted this really long, weird, bizarre name. Because I I feel like that would stick out. If it's just like, this is the fun time podcast. It's like, okay, that's going to get buried. Like how many other fun, you know, whatever, similar things. So by having this really long, weird name, it kind of sticks out a little bit. So yeah, with that, my other podcast, I would just call it the Supermassive podcast. And... So, I don't know if this is, yeah. So, because like when I'm talking about this, because you know, I saw it Thursday night, you know, when I at, at work, I'm t- anyone who will listen to me, co workers, I'm, you know, I'd say I'm going to see this movie. And on Friday, I'll be like, yeah, I saw this movie It was really great, a bearable weight of massive talent. And they're like, what? I was like, the movie was Nicolas Cage and Pedro Paz. Oh, yeah. I saw a trailer for that. It's um, the movie is brilliant, it's, it's so great. And um, I should have talked about it. I, I just I, I just watched Pig last weekend, with Nicolas Cage. So Pig is Nicolas Cage. If, if you've seen it, he's a truffle farmer, lives out like in the woods, off the grid, long hair, disheveled. You know nothing. He's just he's him and his pig. He 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 finds digs out these truffles. This young dude in like a Camaro, yellow car, comes up, buys a truffle, gives him like some supplies and that, and that's like basically his his interaction. And um, he doesn't want anything to do with anyone. But then some people come, beat him up, steal his pig. Because I guess truffle pigs are a hot commodity. He is upset. His pig is like his whole life. Not in an an inappropriate way. But that's like his pet. That's his companion, you know. And so he just wants his pig back. And and then he ends up going to the city. And then you find out there's what, what? Why? How did he end up like out in the woods or what? You know, what's the story? And so it was, it was actually a really, really good movie. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. So the unbearable weight of massive talent. Nicolas Cage plays Nick Cage. He plays himself. So we see him, and it's it's kind of like you know he's not pulling any punches and we see him that it, it comes out where he he's wants to get a role in this movie you know he's he needs a role he needs this 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 gig he runs he has a meeting with like the the director producer or, or someone and the guy's like yeah you know we'll, we'll consider you taking considerations like that and and then when he goes to leave he's like do you want me to read for you he's like no no he's like you're, you know you're nicholas cage you know you don't i wouldn't want you to read for me and he's like i wouldn't want to read for you but it, he's like but then he's about to leave then he starts doing delivering some lines and everything like that he just does it because he is kind of desperate you know he does does need this and everything but the other interesting thing so like when he's driving home and he's like kind of talking to himself a younger version of himself Nikki. he's like leather jacket kind of long hair and it's all about like i'm nicholas you know I, sometimes he throws in the, the f-bomb flipping cage <laughs> so then he, he, there's like other things going on in his life you know he's his ex-wife who was like a former makeup they met on a she did like his makeup or something like that in one of the movies and their their daughter he's he's like kind of dealing with them he's like his daughter I think she's 16 it's gonna be her 16th birthday and the, the reason like the marriage fell apart is because uh, his just obsession with his career and, you know, you find out stuff, you know, cause like him and his daughter go to like a therapy session, or whatever, you know, counselor. And, you know, she, she comments how whenever they watch a movie, it's always a movie that he loves, like basically. And he's like, oh, I'm just trying to share, you know, this stuff with you. And she's like, no, you're trying to turn me into a you, you know, younger version of you. You know, she's, she's like, you know, it's everything that he, they talk about. It's all about him and you know so, so it's like he that's all he cares about is himself he's just obsessed with the work trying to get a gig trying to do this going off doing this or whatever he's just you know they're just they're, there's just a tension there and uh then nicholas kate nick cage talks to his agent played by um neil patrick harris and he mentions this billionaire dude javi gutierrez who's pedro pascal wants him to come out to like his his island or his villa or whatever not really an island but like i think it was in mallorca in spain and they want they will pay him a, a million dollars and he's like you you need this you know, 'Cause he's been staying like at a hotel or something like that. And he's like, you owe them six hundred and how was it six hundred grand or something like that? I, I don't I forget. So he eventually he decides that he's gonna do it. he's gonna go out there and then he meets you know, so this guy, he's uh he's obsessed with Nicolas Cage and he also has a screenplay that he sent to Nick Cage's agent because he wants him to read it, you know, if he wants to do it or something like that. So it, it goes from there. Uh, there's also There's also this this subplot where this some politician's dude's daughter has been kidnapped be, by some evil dudes because they're trying to pressure him into whatever voting again down to something or whatever. So then it, it comes to the point where it's like, you know, Nick Cage, at first he's really standoffish with this guy, but then he he ends up kind of liking Javi and they actually have a good time and stuff like that. But then the the question is like, well, oh, because then uh, Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz, which is funny seeing them together because they were both in the after party. After party was a a hilarious show. I didn't talk about it on here. The after party on Apple Plus, you should watch that. It was a hilarious show. Um, so Tiffany Haddish and and Ike Barinholtz, they're like, they say that they're they're CIA agents, and because. They're looking. They they need to get like eyes in on Javi's villa, but there's like so much security they can't get in there. So when they see his like his plane land, they think it was supposed to be someone else, and then it's like Nick Cage. So they're like, what? So they they basically they're gonna force him to like spy for them. So that that adds up to like is Javi really this arms dealer bad guy that has this girl locked up in somewhere on the compound or whatever. And and it just it kind of kind of goes from there. Things get kind of wacky and everything like that. But it's a uh, it's hilarious. Uh, I mean, Nick Cage and, and Pedro Pascal like they just they work so well together. And there's just like funny moments and you know things start getting crazy and wacky and because <laughs> like at one point I don't want to spoil things, but like there's this party going on. And uh, so Nick Cage is supposed to try to get into the security office or like the security room at at the hotel. So he has to sneak in there. They're gonna like kill the powers for a second So like so he has like four minutes to open up this this door, get in there, and place like a camera in there. He also um, he he p- puts on his hand. He has this like adhesive thing to, to put on his hand. So if someone comes at him all he's got to do is touch them with the the outer part and it'll knock them out so he puts it on there carefully in his hand he goes to open the door and as he's trying to do it he kind of touches his forehead a little bit just like a like kind of brush his hair or do something like that then he's like i just touched myself i think and they're like are, are you sure he's like i I don't know i think I, I touched myself." and then because he just barely like grazed himself it's he starts get getting affected he's like starting to get like he's going to get knocked out and they're like, well, you, you know, you have to do this. Someone's coming and you got to hide. And, and, and so it's just like this craziness stuff. And, and just Nick Cage, he's just brilliant in this. I mean, he's so underrated. Willie's Wonderland. I love that movie. I've been talking about that movie lately. Also, I don't want to give anything away, but I mean, it, it's just, it's such a good show or such a good movie. And, you know, I had the choice of watching the unbearable weight of massive talent or the Northman I went with this one, and I like. As of now, I'm glad I did. I love this movie. I thought it was hilarious. It was just really, really good movie. But we'll talk about the Northman next week, so we'll see that. So I, I strongly recommend this. Um, it's just such a, it's such a fun and delightful movie. And you know, it, the budget was 30 million. Uh, it, I think it looks like. Let's see what's to it say. It's projected to make between five and 10 million for this opening weekend. So I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Uh, Cause it's also opening. against the Northman and the bad guys. And I, I hope it does well. Uh, Cause I, I think it was just, it was a lot of fun. I think people should see it. I highly recommend it. Go see this movie. It's worth watching. And uh, I, I it definitely, it's one that I, I want to watch again. So I don't want to spoil anything else. So just, just I mean, he, Nick Cage, Pedro Pasco. That's all you need to know. If you need more, Tiffany Haddish, she's she's funny too, just her her delivery and everything. And and Ike Ike unfortunately didn't have that big of a role. I, I think he's he's pretty funny too, but he wasn't as wasn't as active as Tiffany Haddish was. But it's it's a good movie. You should watch that. And you should also be thankful to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken because they are big supporters of the show, so they're a big driving factor in this show continuing. So thanks to them. Thanks to you for listening. Um, you can help out. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm currently talking about 1980s Moon Knight. So I did the first two shows. i you going to do the third issue this week, but I think I'm, I might need to go back to Werewolf by Night thirty two and thirty three. I think I need to touch on those before I if I do if I'm gonna do issue four. So we'll see. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash man from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is K O ko-fi.com dot com slash G Man from Heck. The other thing I have to say, so like with my website, entertainmentfish.com. So you know I I have to pay every year, you know, I pay for the domain, I pay for the storage, you know, just uh, hosting the site and all its images. I am currently at 99.9% full capacity for images. And I think part of it is awesome art pics. You know, the the images themselves that I upload aren't like super large. I, you know, I don't put like massively high res images, but it does add up. And I'm going to have to upgrade my, Hosting plan to the next tier, which is basically going to double my website costs for the year, which sucks because now that means every single year now I have to pay this new double amount. But that's what I do, and it's like, yeah, I know I don't need to do the website, but I know you know people enjoy it, so that's that's also what I'm use a you know the Patreon money for is like to pay all this stuff. Like when I did my taxes, you know, I, I'm not making a profit off of this. So I hate asking, but but that's why I'm asking. So if, if you're enjoying, if you want, can help out a little bit, again, even if you just go to coffee.com slash gman for mech, a- every bit will help. So please and thank you. As far as next week, so as, as I mentioned, next week will be uh, The Northman and um, The Flash. Is The Flash back next week? Now I'm confused, uh, but I'm pretty sure. I keep saying this. I'm pretty sure Superman and Lois is next week, so maybe they're both back next week. So we have that. We have uh, Moon Knight episode five, S- Star Trek Picard episode nine. I think, and I th- again, I think there's ten episodes in the season. Maybe I should do Flight Attendant. I don't know if I'll do Flight Attendant, but you know, I need to keep things going. And yeah, we'll have to see what, what's what's going on. But um, other than that, uh, that's going to be it for this week. So I hope you are doing well. Um, I hope everything's working out for you, and uh, you know, try to find some time to have fun. Do something for yourself, and also you know try to do something for others. You know something little. Sometimes you know you can just do it a small little thing, and it'll brighten someone's day. You know it doesn't have to be a huge big you know grand gesture. You know buy someone some McDonald's French fries, and like hey here I thought you might want this, or I don't know what people in your life might want, but. I I would love uh, I had someone buy me McDonald's french fries once. I was like, "Ah, oh, that is so nice because I love McDonald's french fries." So anyways, you know, be good to yourself and don't forget be good to each other.